Claire. Claire. Take this. You'll do better with it than I can. By the time you read this, I'll be long gone. Not the way I planned it, but for the first time in my life, I'm leaving this city.
Yeah. If anyone uh, didn't check that one out, I strongly urge you to go back. I forget which episode it was, but uh, you can easily find it by searching yeah. um, on our website or in your podcast player of choice. Um, That's right. But uh, but yeah, now we are back. Finally, that was, I mean, that was months ago that we did our oh, first man. rewatchables. Um, so we, this is our triumphant return to the rewatchable series. This is <laughs> chapter two, episode two of <laughs> the rewatchables. <laughs> the rewatchables. And yeah, um, and we are turning toward a another classic, yes. um, another Ben Affleck gem. Yep. This time, surviving Christmas. So Ben, uh, let's start with the approach that we took in terms of rewatching the Chicago Bulls and Knicks series. In terms of maybe a couple big picture thoughts, and then we can hop into some of the specifics of the plot and production and whatever else. But sure. any sort of big picture thoughts, maybe simply why this film, why, you know, why surviving Christmas? Um, you know, we can sort of go back and forth on this one. But for me, you know, I'll start um, Ben Affleck, hero of the BMM, the Boston media mafia, um, sort of a, a guy that uh, we find highly entertaining, has gotten us through some real dark moments in our lives. We, are, of course, are maybe facing Ben, you know, potentially some of the darkest hours and days of, of our lives here with coronavirus. We're, we're in quarantine and we just wanted something to sort of pick us up a little bit, something, like I said, a little chicken soup for the soul. You get that here with Ben Affleck. It's a, it, it's a Ben Affleck star vehicle led by, uh, you know, just an all-star cast. We have Affleck, James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano, Christina mm-hmm. Applegate, of course, of Married with Children fame, Catherine O'Hara. Everyone loves Catherine O'Hara, of course, from the Home Alone series. Um, but yeah, Ben, uh, just, you know, quick overarching thought why surviving christmas why this film um that's a really good question i mean i think much like our our nicks uh you know series that that we're currently in the midst of um and now we should remind our audience here that um you know this is a little palate cleanser this is a break but it's only because we're, we're doing this not as a reward for getting through the eastern conference semifinals and vanquishing the bulls this is also sort of a little, uh, a little rest periods yeah. to gear up for the next round. Yes. This is just a little break. This is a, a breather, um, a much needed breather, because we have a lot more playoff basketball to get through here, Chris. So I mean, it's um, fair. Don't to, it's, don't it's, think it's, that this is the uh, the finish line for us. This is just absolutely. a little, no, you know, sort of an, an inter or an end of Act One intermission. I mean, it's um, fair to wonder got... if, if maybe the Knicks themselves after that series, maybe they went to a film. You know what I mean? I, I had to imagine they need some sort of emotional recharge. Um, so we pretty much are doing just like our heroes, the, the 1994 New York Knicks would probably be right. doing at this moment. Gearing Back in up, 94, yeah. you know, they probably watched something like, um, you know, maybe maybe something like uh, Dazed and Confused, sure. um, perhaps... Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think of any other Forrest movie Gump. from 1994. You know, yeah. Well, I, I was just trying to think of Ben Ben Affleck movies mm. um, that they that they might have been able to watch in '94. Dazed and Confused is the only one that's coming to mind. But um, but uh, Clerks. but yeah. So Clerks is from '94. Sure, but Affleck wasn't in that. You're thinking of Mallrats, and that ah. was a little bit later. That was like '97, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, um, but right, like so, so just like the Knicks, you know, we, we wanted to turn to something that just made us feel good, something that that gave us comfort and 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 sort of just a, a warm, happy feeling. 
Um, so we knew we needed to go to, you know, the Affleck filmography, obviously. Yeah. That, that was never in question. But I believe that you were the one that actually hand-selected this particular Christmas. title. Yeah. Do you want to walk us through that process? Was it random? Was it, did you had so, had you ever, did you have any previous experience with this film? No, I knew nothing about it, actually, Ben. Um, so basically, what we did here was just kind of combed through the Affleck filmography and we were looking for, again, something bright, a pick-me-up, and, of course, like stuff maybe we were less familiar with and maybe stuff mm-hmm. our audience was less familiar with. Part of what The Rewatchables is about is uncovering hidden gems, and sure. obviously that's what we did with The Town, and that's what we're doing here again today with uh, Surviving Christmas. And, you know, when I saw Gandolfini, Applegate, O'Hara, Affleck, and then I realize it's a Christmas film, you know, surviving yeah. Christmas. And then you see that poster image, Ben. You have you have Affleck absolutely smothering Gandolfini in a big old hug. Um, mm. It just the felt like great. yeah, it just felt like a winner. Gave that trailer a look, and I just felt like boy, oh boy, do I want to see Ben Affleck um, in a house with Tony Soprano? That's like sign me up for that. Uh, sign sure. for that. And of course, you know, let's be frank here. The whole theme of survival is kind of, uh, you yes. know, it's sort of front and center Very in our minds our right minds. now. So yeah. it felt like something that could maybe, you know, help us um, yes. in some way, you know, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And I think that that uh, clearly the, the, the film did, did accomplish that. Yes. Um, which we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be explaining. Let me throw out mm. just a couple of big picture, uh, you know, f- facts and figures here. So, uh, Ben, the year is 2004. This is a film directed by Mike Mitchell, written by Harry Elfant, Deborah Kaplan, Jeffrey Ventimiglia, and Joshua Sternin. Again, starring Affleck, Gandolfini, Applegate, O'Hara. Now, Ben, we found in our, in our uh, uh, you know, loose research, I'll call it, that this film was originally slated to come out uh, in Christmas 2003, eventually had to be pushed back uh, to 2004. Of course, they, they, uh, the studio wanted to avoid any sort of competition with Affleck's 2003 sci-fi thriller Paycheck. And um, so, yeah, it eventually would come out in 2004. The only other question I had for you, Chris, was mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, did you have, what were your expectations like going into this film? Because you said you didn't know anything about it beforehand. Um, about I it. was in the same, I was in the same camp. I didn't know anything about it. I'm not even sure if I watched the trailer. Um, I saw oh, the wow. poster and I just said, I'm in, you know, you, 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 yeah. you had me immediately. <laughs> right. So I didn't really need any more information. Um, <laughs> but what, what, what was your sort of preconception of this movie before uh, hitting play on it? Um, so I did watch the trailer. Uh, just kind of curious wh- how Gandolfini and Affleck could coexist in the same world. And what I quickly, you know, figured out from the trailer was it seemed like Ben Affleck was, it was some sort of, uh, you know, it it was almost like a prison sentence. Uh, The Gandolfini family was sentenced to Ben Affleck uh, being in their house for for one full day on on Christmas. And, uh, you know, I was, I was totally intrigued. Um, and that was the thing that really drew me in to see if James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara and, and, and Christina Applegate could survive this Christmas with an absolutely, you know, saccharine, um, Ben Affleck. That was the thing that drew me in. Mm. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah. 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 I didn't know. I really, my um, assumptions about this film were just wildly, wildly different from uh, what the reality ended up being. I, I sort of uh, figured we were, I was heading into something similar to a, a meet the parents type thing where oh, it was like wow. Affleck. Um, I just, I just assumed it was like Affleck is dating Applegate. Right. He comes uh, to, to her home to meet her <laughs> parents for Christmas. And, right. You know, it's the Turns whole like, oh, you know, uh, her dad is is really strict, doesn't want, you know, yeah. he's very suspicious, doesn't want uh, him in their home, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the it's the wacky cast of characters in the girlfriend's family. That's what I figured. Sure. But uh, but boy, was I uh, in for a, a rude awakening. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. You know, we can sort of walk very slowly through the plot of the film and anything that comes up for you, Ben, you know, let's just shout it out. Uh, but basically, we begin here with Ben Affleck, who plays uh, Drew Latham. Uh, Drew. Drew. <laughs> yeah. A wealthy advertising <laughs> executive. And... A very wealthy, very high-powered mm. ad exec um, <laughs> at a company called Barcode, which oh, yeah. it sort of is suggested is, might be like his company. Like, he is like... Yes. If, if it's not his company, he is like the top dog, yes. like, exec at it. He, and he's he really, like, like young, runs the show. He's like a young, hotshot millionaire is the idea. Exactly. Very young, very hotshot. Um, has, has the world at his fingertips. Extremely wealthy, good-looking, obviously. You know, that doesn't need to be uh, uh, said, really. But... um. But uh, but real quick, I wanted to touch on the uh, the opening of yes. the movie, which is just a a, a comically dark uh, you know um, sort of uh, Christmas misery type uh, type montage of uh, you know a man frustratedly tr- you know trying and failing to wrap a present and then throwing it out the window. Uh-huh. Uh, another another man is. Uh, putting his wallet and his very expensive looking watch and his wedding ring into a Salvation Army uh, you know oh, yeah. Santa um, pot um, and then the the opening montage set to um, I believe it's the most wonderful time or that uh, what is it most wonderful time of the year I think is the, is the opening uh, montage song yeah 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 yeah, Andy Williams, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the the montage concludes with an old woman turning on an oven and kneeling down to put her head into it. Um, just just great, you know, just really really good, funny, uh, kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. You know, we're we're a Christmas movie, but we're gonna be a little, you know, a little edgy, a little funny uh, uh, with our with our uh, our treatment of the theme here. Sure. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, nicely said. So we are, Ben, we are in the city of Chicago, and yep. Affleck uh, is our is our protagonist, our hero, a hotshot millionaire ad executive. We open on him in a pitch meeting with a client, uh, basically selling an idea. The idea is basically uh, he wants to create pre-spiked, fat-free... That's right. Eggnog. My firm's done a tremendous amount of market research, and we've discovered two critical things. One, most Americans feel that Christmas is a time for family. Two, most Americans feel that in order to stand being around their family for even one or two days, they need to swill as much alcohol as humanly possible. Now, I'd like you to meet the Nogertons. They're a classic American family. They're together on Christmas, they're fat-free, and they're 10% alcohol by volume. Enjoy our family so you can enjoy your family. What do you think? So you're suggesting we tell people that the only way to get through the holidays is to drink spiked eggnog. 
I'm suggesting that we tell people the only way to get through the holidays is to buy your farm fresh, fat-free, pre-spiked eggnog in a bottle. Yeah, pre-spiked eggnog in a bottle, because as we all know, uh, to get through Christmas, you need some alcohol. Being around all that family, you know, can be uh, you know, it can be a little bit anxiety-inducing. So yeah, you need some of that, some of that sweet, sweet booze to get you through. Yep, Affleck with the uh, with the sales pitch: most Americans hate their families. Let's get let's get a little booze to get through the holidays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and how does the how does the pitch go? Does it seem like we are? It's 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 a green light here. You know, at first the client seems a little skeptical. skeptical. But Affleck just works that magic of his. He's got um, that charm, huh? I mean, I gotta say, seeing seeing a 2004 era Affleck, I man, I really had forgotten just how striking, yeah. how charming, how flat out handsome yeah. this man was. Um, you know, the hair is is perfectly spiked. Yeah, you know, he's he's clean shaven. He's just got he's that got some, that. What's this t shirt he's wearing underneath his blazer? That's how you know you're a hot shot, like young. Yeah, executive. he's got a very cool like vintage t shirt. I think it's for like Whistler, right. um, like a skiing a yes. skiing t shirt, but very clearly vintage. Probably extremely expensive <laughs> under his blazer. Um, yeah, the hair is just perfectly yeah. uh, uh, you know spiked and positioned. Um, and he's just at the height of his powers. Uh, yeah. So very, very quickly, um, you know, he, he works his magic on the clients and they say, we're in slam dunk, another, you know, huge win for Drew. Mm. Uh, you know, he comes out of the meeting fully triumphant um, and uh, and proceeds to boss around his poor female assistant. So with his assistant now, um, Affleck's assistant gives him some plane tickets here are your tickets to Fiji. It went pretty well, huh? I'm a genius. I feel like I could sell whale steaks to Greenpeace. Nice image. Here you tickets to Fiji. Ah! So ben, Fiji. What's that all about? We're going to Fiji hmm. all of a sudden? I thought it was That's Christmas. That's right. I thought it was yeah. Christmas. Yeah, you, you would think that it's Christmas time, you know, you want to be home with your family for Christmas, but... No, Affleck, uh, you know, the high-powered hot dog ad hotshot, um, he's, he's got first-class tickets to Fiji, uh-huh. which in the very next scene, we see uh, young Drew present said tickets to his girlfriend, Missy, um, in his uh, very, very expensive-looking, um, you know, bachelor pad, let's, loft apartment. Let's talk about this apartment the for apartment. a second. If, yeah. if you don't mind, yeah. I, I know you have things you want to talk about here. I would love to talk about this apartment. So Get into it. How do we know, Ben, that uh, young Affleck here is a hotshot? His apartment, Ben, is absolutely massive. The ceilings are, I don't know, how high? 20 feet? 30 feet? I mean, it's its a castle. Uh, it's yeah. an absolute bachelor pad. It the is cavernous. Couch? Florida Florida ceiling <laughs> windows. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the amount. Of, it's basically like the apartment from Big, um, ben, where it's I just was, the entire. <laughs> I was going to say at one point during this movie in my notes, I wrote, isn't this movie just Big? It's, it's basically <laughs> how, an, how an adult gets to be a child. Um, yeah, but uh, real quick, what would you say is the color of that couch? Is it orange? Mm, I'm gonna go with sherbet, Chris. Sherbet. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, is that a color like tangerine sherbet? That checks out for me. Yeah. So we yeah. have green walls. We have a sherbet orange couch. Um, palatial, just a, a, a palatial bachelor pad here, and Affleck 
is presenting his absolutely, you know, stunning girlfriend with a couple of tickets to Fiji. Uh, he's trying to make things right with his girlfriend. And how does it go, Ben? She, uh, she doesn't seem to take it too well. Yeah, not great. So the thing is that his girlfriend, he kind of springs this on her. Um, she, she's looking for something different. She's looking for commitment. She's looking for some sort of a sign that this relationship is progressing to a more, you know, serious level. Yeah. Um, she, um, it's, it's clear that she's looking for, she's excited about spending Christmas with her boyfriend, Drew, and his family specifically. Yeah. His family. Missy, we've been dating for a while now, and I feel we should take our relationship to the next level. I've been hoping you would say that. So I got you a little pre-Christmas Christmas gift. Yeah? I want you to open it now because it involves our future. The future of you and me together. It's, uh, it's kind of for both of us in that way. Take us to Fiji? Yes, first class. And Drew, on Christmas? <laughs> Christmas is the family holiday. I mean, what are we doing? What is this? I mean, what is going on? I mean, where is this relationship headed? Fiji, first class. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Here's an example of one of our problems. You've never introduced me to your family. You've never even mentioned your family. Do you even have a family? And how can you be serious about me if you're not serious about your own family? Where is this relationship headed, she asks, and Affleck yeah. replies, Fiji. Yeah, he says, Fiji, first class. Right. Fiji. He thinks it's a great present. She does not see it that way. She says, um, you know, I, I've never even met your family. You know, what is, what's going on here? How do you really feel about me? And Drew's reaction, uh, the way he sort of spins it is, um, you know, there has to be mystery in a relationship. If there's, um, if there's sort of nothing left to discover, then a relationship dies. You don't want this relationship to die, do you? To which Missy replies, It just did. Jesus, Missy, come on. Ouch, ouch. Missy, Missy, is that, wow. Yeah, Oof. yeah. Oof. so that was that. Was that. Um, she walks out, she's not happy. So Ben, it looks I, like things We're like could maybe be... five, ten minutes into the film at this point. I just, I got a red flag here. Uh, yeah. And it's Affleck. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but it's Affleck. It seems like this guy, this Drew, uh, is maybe a little bit of a materialist. Or, mm. or maybe I should say, it's almost like Ben, money has come so easily to him his whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this hotshot mm-hmm. business executive. And maybe that's the problem is that he can just sort of throw money around like it's no object. He can just go to Fiji like it's nothing. He can just buy his 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 various girlfriends Cartier bracelets or, or necklaces or whatever it is. And Ben, maybe in life, um, we need more than just fancy presents. Well, that's uh, I mean that's that's quite a take, Chris. We'll see we'll see about that. We'll see if that uh, if that position is vindicated uh, through the course of the film. But mm. but you're definitely right. Drew is the kind of guy that clearly is just kind of like living the life that he wants. Um, he's using his money 
Uh, he's throwing it around to to you know impress people to to sort of manip- manipulate them. I would say even if that's well, if that's not a stretch. I wasn't going to um, take it that far, but that does seem yeah maybe he has yeah he has a a personality mm, quirk. Let's say um, okay. that that clearly it doesn't. It almost seems like he doesn't quite experience normal human emotions i don't know that might be extreme or drastic to say interesting interesting um yeah yeah but we can you know we can get to that more uh as we progress through the plot here but um but so jumping back into it so missy storms out right uh drew drew kicks something over he's very frustrated he doesn't understand why his girlfriend wouldn't want first class reminder chris these were first class tickets to fiji they could not have come cheaply um but uh, but yeah, so so he's very um, crestfallen, uh, very sad, uh, and I think really the thing, almost more than the breakup, I think the thing that really bothers Drew yeah. in this moment is that he's grappling with the reality that he may need to spend Christmas by himself, Ugh. and he clearly does not want to do that. So what does he do next, Chris, to try to, you know, mitigate that well, that loneliness? We should say a couple of things. First, he hatches a plan uh, to get back in the good graces of Missy. So the first thing he has his assistant Oh, right, do, of course. Yep. Then he has his... Let's assist- try to solve this problem with money. <laughs> he has his assistant send a nice diamond bracelet and mm-hmm. uh, a nice card with some flowery words, which his assistant Catherine is instructed to write. Uh, right. She so did- he he needs something emotional and personal, right. uh, a handwritten note right. to to win his girlfriend back. Of course, Drew doesn't quite have the capacity to generate these words uh, himself. He's not really good with emotions, Ben. He's more right. just it good at It could have something to do fun. with that personality tick that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, but but he, yeah, he lays it at the feet of his assistant, his poor assistant, to write this, this personal note and then just pick some present. He basically yes. was like, I don't know, just buy her something expensive. Does he sure. even say specifically what it should be? I forget. Um, I forget, but I do know yeah. they land on a diamond bracelet. And I'll, yes. I'll say, to Catherine's credit, she is dubious that it's going to work. But listen, Drew is her boss, and she agrees. She agrees to write the note. Uh, no problem. Catherine, I need you to uh, get like a Cartier bracelet to send to Missy. Something very expensive, a lot of diamonds, very flashy, that kind of thing. Include a personal note from me. And what exactly do you want it to say? You know, just something very personal. It shows the depth of my feelings, my emotions. That You're good at that. That's why I hired you. Okay, but it's not going to work. It turns out in, in that uh, corporate environment uh, that, that, that we all know and love, um, you basically just have to do whatever your boss tells you. And, and uh, like a good worker, um, yep. Catherine does that. Yeah. So next thing, next thing we see is Drew in his palatial office. You know, he's got that swivel chair. He hops on his phone, opens the Rolodex. And Ben, who is he calling now? Is he call- he must be calling other ad executives or something? Is he is he hatching some sort of business deal? What's going on here? Oh, Dougie, Dugan, Dugray, Douglas. It's true. True life. <laughs> yeah, what's up, man? What are you up? Ah, oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, hey, man, what are you doing for Christmas? Family. Nice, nice call. Uh, you got room for one more? Well, 
I think we are that close. He's just calling random like acquaintances sure. and like friends. Yep. Who clearly has he doesn't keep in very in good. Yeah, not not really good at keeping in in close touch with these other human beings uh, in his life. Um, he's calling them completely out of the blue and just asking them to spend Christmas with him. <laughs> oh boy! Which is I gotta say, like. Did you, is that a thing that people do? You, did you ever do that when you were like maybe younger in your single days? Did you ever just say, like, call up Hey, I don't really want to spend Christmas ask. alone. Can I just come to your house? And I think at one point, Drew says something like, It won't be long, like two, three days tops or something Ooh. like that. Ooh. Um, yeah, like no, he's neat. He's needy. No, I never did that. The thing I've learned, Ben, in you know, in terms of being single uh, over the course of my life is it is important to learn to be okay and accepting with just being with yourself. Like that is mm-hmm. some of the most valuable time in my life, Ben, has been, you know, just really getting to know and understand myself more in solitude. Just me, you know, just me, myself, and I. And uh, yeah. that does not seem where Affleck is at at this point in his life. He needs company. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a valuable, you know, sometimes painful, but but I would say valuable, you know, having been there myself, a valuable experience yeah. to sort of, um, uh, you know, learn to love yourself. Not, not to be too cliche about it, but... Um, but yeah, it's something that that I think is important to do, um, you know, uh, uh, as part of your growth as a human being. Oh yeah, man. I mean, yes. I mean, that's almost a. I feel like a whole separate podcast. But some of the best times <laughs> I've ever had in my life on my own by myself. Should we Should we do an episode on learning to love yourself? <laughs> yes. Maybe Maybe we should. Maybe that's a future episode. Yeah, I like that. All right, moving on here. So Affleck goes through the Rolodex. He can't. He has no luck. He's just strike. He's striking out left and right. None of his buddies want to go to Fiji with him. And now he's just walking through the street. Streets of Chicago, Ben, and he is feeling sorry. It's nighttime. It's chilly. He's wearing that Every, big scarf. Yep. Everywhere he looks, he sees a, a oh. happy family. Couple you know, smooching. mom and dad, sister, oh. brother, walking around. Well, maybe every maybe, everyone's together. Maybe he'll feel better back at, at his apartment. He walks mm-hmm. into his apartment, Ben. It's a wide shot, and you all of a sudden realize he really doesn't have much uh, furniture in this place. I was going to say, there is a vast mm-hmm. expanse of floor space in this apartment. It almost I mean, his, feels like his heart, Ben. <laughs> it's sort of empty, you know? It's it's His his apartment is basically a basketball court, and all of his furniture is, like, clustered in, like, the paint under the basket. Oh. And the entire rest of his apartment is just bare, shiny hardwood. <laughs> now we got Affleck sitting down on his orange couch, his, his Sherbert couch, with an absolutely humongous goblet of eggnog he sits yes, down the, afor- the aforementioned eggnog that he that he uh, pitched oh. to his clients uh, you know down. just earlier yep. that week uh, at least he has that at least oh. he has the eggnog oh, to no. keep him company he puts it on his TV tray Ben he, he you know he has a little TV tray there in front of the couch looks like he's just gonna have a nice night to himself Watch. Yeah, it turns on the massive widescreen, flat screen TV to put the Yule log on the TV. And what do you know? He puts down his glass of eggnog on his TV tray, and the TV tray breaks. It smashes on the floor. The eggnog uh, goes everywhere. Affleck just he, can't catch a break. He poured himself so much eggnog, the glass was too heavy for the tray table. Smash, 
Uh, just classic uh, slapstick comedy right there. All right, enough of this. Now Affleck Drew, he tracks down <laughs> Missy's therapist, Dr. Freeman. That's right. At the airport. He accosts, he accosts Missy's therapist. That's right. Yeah, Dr. F- Dr. Freeman, Freeman uh, played by the wonderful Stephen Root. Um, mm. Of course, we all know and love Stephen Root, um, who uh, who really, I mean, I wish he had had a bigger role. He, he could have lent this, lent this movie. I mean, not that it needs any more star power than it already has, let's be honest, but... But yeah, I mean, uh, I think a testament to this movie's cast is that a talent like Stephen Root is given just a couple minutes of screen time here. Man, They've got such a sh- deep, deep bench. Oh, he shines. He absolutely mm-hmm. shines. So Affleck, Drew, tracks down Missy's therapist, Dr. Freeman at the airport, hoping to squeeze in a little therapy session. Uh, the hurried, you know, the hurried doctor tells him to list all of his grievances, all of his grievances in a letter, in a note. And then to go yeah, back write him down on a piece of paper. Yep. To go back to his childhood home, wherever he had these issues come up, and to burn the note. And, yeah. and burn burn the paper and whisper, mm-hmm. I forgive you. I forgive that you. That is that is the um, you know, pretty half baked uh, uh, you know, sort of medical advice that Dr. Freeman gives him. Clearly he's yeah, like you said, he's rushed in the airport, he's with his family, you know, he's he's trying to get through the the security, um, you know, the metal detector and everything. Uh, it's it's not going well. He's he's clearly very stressed. Doesn't know Drew at all, by the way. Only knows Drew as the uh, oh <laughs> one little <laughs> detail here that I love. Is that uh, so? Drew accosts this this therapist, ah. and uh, Doctor Freeman is like, "Who are you? I don't know you." Right. Um, and Drew says, "Oh, I'm I'm Missy's boyfriend." Uh, and and the doctor's like, "How did you me find anyway? me?" I brought a woman at your service. Incidentally, you should oh, tell it either raise her standards or you, you know you yeah. got to fire her. Right. She totally caved for like two hundred bucks. Yeah, whatever. I bribed a woman at your practice. Um, <laughs> And is like, yeah, she like, she, you know, she she like caved like real quickly, like two hundred dollars. It was so easy to get her. So again, Drew is just just using money uh, to to just manipulate people yeah, and man. and uh, and get everything that he that he needs. Um, and uh, and anyway, yeah. So so Doctor Freeman is like, I don't know. I heard this thing on the radio once. Best I can do uh, as he's you know rushing to get through um, the security gate. Um, and uh, yeah, tells tells Drew the instructions, which are kind, which is kind of like the the inciting action uh, that that sets our our plot in motion here. Yeah, so absolutely, Ben. So he uses money like it's no option. That's a that's a great point. So he, no object, uh, yeah, 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 uh, like it's no object. So um, so Doctor uh, uh, Doctor Freeman tells Affleck to go back to his childhood home, and that home, Ben, is now occupied. It's occupied by a new family. That family right. is the Valco family, Ben. The Valcos. Let's talk about this family, the Valco family. Um, and let's talk about the house uh, itself. I don't, I, I don't know about you, man, but that house looks suspiciously like the house from Home Alone. Maybe it's just, mm. I'm thinking about Chicago in the winter, mm-hmm. Christmas story. Chicago suburbs. Yeah. 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 Big old Large brick, brick house. Yeah. I was like, man, mm-hmm. that really does look familiar. If that's not the Home Alone house, then you know, geez, there are a lot of homes that look like it. But yeah, uh, on the sort of tree, you know, the tree line neighborhood, yep. um, very, very similar. Yeah, big house, bay windows. Yep. Uh, big you know, little, little uh, lantern out front. Yep. Yeah, it looks like a pretty, you know, pretty nice house. We're talking two story, maybe with an attic, probably. Sure. Um, you know, pretty spacious. 
but um, but the family is like pretty clearly um, middle class. I yes. would say, you know, working class. Yes, um, yes. Maybe yeah. even you would say going through some hard times, both Ben, both emotionally and financially. So it kind of mm-hmm. works on two levels there. The the hard times. So anyways, mm-hmm. Drew shows up at the house of the Valcos. Um, mm-hmm. His childhood home now occupied by the Valco family, and he's 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 got his piece of uh, of paper with the yeah. grievances written on it. Yep, he's ready to go through this emotional catharsis. But first, he's you know, just he's... sort of taken in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just sort of like, wow, this is really it. This is just like it was when I was a kid. Uh, this is this is that house, and. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then he's like really like experiencing the whole thing. He's like hugging. He's like sniffing the bushes. He's like oh, hugging the right. tree. Um, he's really like taking it all in, kind of exploring the space outside the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it cuts to inside the house, sure, where we see Mister and Missus Valco. Right, James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara. And yeah. uh, boy, oh boy, are these just the, these are just two opposite ends of the spectrum? It seems like uh, Gandolfini, kind of a kind of a surly, grumpier uh, dad type with the with the mm-hmm. big thick beer. He's having a beer here, Ben, and um, O'Hara is uh, you know she's not having it. Looks like she's filling out some Christmas cards, and all of a sudden, what is what happens? But they spy this this Drew Latham character out on their front yard. Yeah, they see a, a random man just walking around their property, hugging their trees. Who is um, this crazy, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, yeah, Gandolfini's in his, you know, in his flannel shirt with his like thermal underwear underneath. Clearly, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a, a blue collar type guy yeah, drinking his, his regular Budweiser with his lunch. Um, kind of yelling, you know, the, the he and he and his wife. Uh, so this is Tom, is is James Gandolfini's character, and Christine, yeah. uh, uh, played by Catherine O'Hara. You know, they're, they're clearly, you know, they're a middle aged couple. Um, they're arguing, uh, they're yelling a little bit. Uh, Tom is yelling. They're both yelling at their uh, at their son up in up in his bedroom to come down. Mm. Brian, get down here and eat your dinner, will you? I'm not hungry. Yeah, you are. Stop yelling at me. I'm not yelling at you. Brian! Brian! Get down here, please, so your father can stop not yelling at me! I'm busy! I told you, we shouldn't have put the computer up in his room. He's going to spend all his time there. Oh, Tommy, welcome to the future, dear. He's advancing his skills. One day that computer's going to get our baby a good job. Trust me, but what he's doing up there, nobody's going to pay him for. Because if they did, I would have retired at 17. You know, and then the, the, we have to talk about the son oh, uh, at some point, obviously. Yeah. Brian. Um, <laughs> but but Brian, is, Brian is upstairs. He's glued to his computer, which now, is going to be a bit of a theme. Sure. Um, okay, so this film was created in 2003, released in 2004. We need to think about with relation to, to, to Brian early internet days kind of like mm-hmm. the the early advent of the internet like what was happening on the inter- internet the sort of things you would look at stylistically like how things were formatted formatted on the internet 
Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. movie was just how, how quickly internet web pages loaded. That's right, man. that was oh, that was man. kind of an important yes. an important element. Because there there was the whole like uh, modem, like it it, it was like mm-hmm. dial up, mm-hmm. right? Internet probably using a dial up connection here. Sure. Yep. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so Brian is upstairs in his room, glued to his computer. His parents are calling him down to have uh, to have dinner, I think, and uh, you know he's just he's just glued to his computer. He's not having any of it. And then they notice this Drew character, this Looney Tunes, outside uh, hugging trees, and all of a sudden he pulls a note out of his pocket, pulls a pulls mm-hmm. a pack of matches out of his pocket, and he lights the note on fire. Gandolfini has seen absolutely enough. And yeah, Tom sees this happening, and he thinks, we got a fucking arsonist out here. What? Well, there's a guy out there. Who the hell is that? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, Ben, I got to say, this is where uh, the Home Alone connection came for me, because Gandolfini, what does he do? Mm-hmm. He goes <laughs> and takes a steel a snow shovel. All right, alone on Christmas. I can do this. <sighs> rid myself... Of all my grievances, gone grievances. What the? Yeah, big metal snow shovel. I forgive you. Max Affleck over the head knocks him unconscious, just like um, the neighbor character does in Home Alone. Uh, if, That's right. If, to the to the wet bandits. To the wet bandits, if you remember correctly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Affleck lights his piece of paper on fire, uh, whispers mm-hmm. the words "I forgive you," I forgive and you. just as he just as he utters the words, bang! Metal Boom. snow shovel across the head, out yeah. cold immediately. Definitely suffers a concussion for sure. Um, and um, tell you what, yeah, the, and that's the, the cab driver who brought Affleck to the Valcos. He's having oh, yes. none of it. This guy yeah, takes as soon as he off. Sees, yeah, he peels out the second he sees uh, what is possibly a murder happen in front of him. <laughs> he is out. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and that's really. I mean, listen, this is a classic goof 'em up. You know, it's a sure. miscommunication. That's what all the great comedies uh, are, are really built on. You know, this this. Uh, this kind of um, you know s- sort of pranks you know slap slapstick event uh, that that really sets the whole the whole plot in motion. So they drag Affleck inside now, Ben, and this guy is out cold. I mean, he's just out cold. You know, he's got the Tweety Birds, the little stars floating above his uh, above his eyes, above his head, mm-hmm. and uh, O'Hara, Affleck, little Brian. Uh, or I should say Gandolfini, O'Hara, Little Brian, they're all, you know, they're concerned. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with yeah. this dead guy in our house? And all of a sudden... Yeah, Chris, Christine is convinced that uh, that that she that her husband killed this man mm-hmm. uh, as he uh, lays motionless on the floor of their, um, you know, their, their, their entry. Sure. And then all um, of a sudden Affleck sort of comes, comes to life. He regains consciousness and he wakes up. And uh, everyone is, you know, startled and surprised. And now they got a real problem on their hands, Ben, because they they just dragged an absolute Looney Tune into their own home. He wakes up. He has, you know, a little bump on the back of his head, but he's doing all right. Mm -hmm. And he can't believe it. All of a sudden, he's in his childhood home. This is just mm-hmm. like they had it when I was a kid. He can't believe it. Yeah, he explains what he was doing out there. They very, very quickly accept his explanation. Sure. Again, they have never seen this man before. He is a complete stranger to them. Um, but within seconds of him, you know, explaining that he was just there, this is his childhood home, blah, 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 
Um, Christine is just like, oh yeah, sure, I'll give you a tour of the house, no problem, follow yep. me. I, I was just outside burning, uh, someone told me to burn a list of my personal grievances outside of my home, my birth, to help me with some loneliness issues that I so it's all fine. Uh-huh. Anywho, apologies, and, uh, I'm gonna go. Would you mind terribly if I took a look-see around the house? Yeah, I'll give you a tour. Oh, thank you. Yep, would it be too much for a tour? O'Hara's game. She's like, let's take a tour, yeah. no problem. Gandolfini, a little salty, warns this guy, you know, one quick tour, and then you're out of here, pal. That's it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Affleck gets the tour of the house, um, you know, and it's, again, just like he remembers it, you know, just uh, the family room, The uh, he sees Brian's bedroom, and... Uh, yeah, he gets really hung up on the on the squeaky stair. The one squeaky stair uh, he's just fixated on because right. it's the same stair that was squeaky from his childhood. He uh-huh. really gets off on that. Um, can we talk a little here at this point about Ben Affleck, Drew's uh, like personality, like his his acting in this movie, mm. which I have to say was really um, unlike any role I've ever seen Affleck play. Yeah, um, just gives. A, a tour de force, I mean, a clinic, an acting clinic. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it reminded me a lot of, um, I would say, initially I would say that he was doing an impression of this actor, but the more I think about it, I think that actor was really doing an impression yeah, of Affleck. Ben Affleck in this movie. I think Affleck really kind of created this 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 mold. Yeah. Um, he reminded me a lot of Ryan Reynolds and the kind wow. of you know, sort of high wire, uh, you know, snappy, quippy, you know, very high energy um, uh, comic hijinks that, that Reynolds totally you know, would later it. become famous for. It gives me, um, uh, there is some like, uh, I don't know if you see this, maybe some Jimmy Fallon vibes. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very silly, like ham. overly, like way too energetic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Drew sees Brian's bedroom and look, I mean, he is just overwhelmed at this point. And he says to these guys, I'm thinking... But you know, man, I, I gotta tell you, all these years I've been kind of avoiding Christmas, and I, I just kind of realized, like, this is what I've been longing for. A real family, you know, in a true home. That's why I'm thinking it might be a good idea if I lived with you. It might be a good idea if I live with you. Yeah, yeah. First of all, he stays for dinner. They right. serve this man, this stranger, who has literally just invaded their home. He has trespassed onto their property and is now in. He has infiltrated, uh, you know, insinuated himself into their house. Um, instead of saying like "You're a stranger, you need to leave," they give him a tour. Then they feed him dinner. Right. Then he asks for dessert. At which point, finally. Uh, Christine is like, yeah, I think maybe you should go. I mean, she has been exceedingly polite mm. and understanding uh, and, and accommodating given this, you know, g- given given the I circumstances. Mean, she went above and beyond with the tour of the of the yeah. home. You know, I mean, s- seriously, this woman deserves you know some sort of Nobel Peace Prize or something. Absolutely. Um, meanwhile, Tom Gandolfini's character is is not so um, you know sort of understanding. He's ready to, to get Affleck out of there, um, but before they can you know, force him out of their house, uh, Drew suggests that, um, that he stay with them. Uh, he says, he says something to the effect of like, you know, this is the, the kind of family experience I've, I've, you know, always been looking for, mm. um, and, uh, suggest to, to Tom, I think it might be a good idea if I lived with you. Right. Um, now reminder, this is a, 
family that Drew has never seen before in his life. Um, he, you know, he, he clearly like this is a an emotional break that he is experiencing. Um, he, this is not normal human behavior. Um, and you know, I I tried to sort of game out like was this an like an effect of the blow to the head from the shovel? Do we think that that had something no. to do with his personality? I don't think so either. No, Ben, because... Because I think is, it's consistent with is, his character from earlier in the movie. This is the same guy that went through the Rolodex. I mean, this is just yeah, an extension. exactly. And this is just an extension <laughs> of the Rolodex. Let's this is an real. extension of the Rolodex of accosting the the therapist in the airport. You yes. know, these, these people... It doesn't matter if they are complete strangers, if they're his girlfriend, if they're, right. you know, past acquaintances that he has the phone number still of in his Rolodex. These people are just, they're just like objects to him. They're just right. like little toys that he is like moving around to suit his current emotional needs. Right. Um, I mean, he's basically is... a drug addict. Like, in so many <laughs> words, like, this is 100% the behavior of like a drug addict. Yeah, a a drug addict, a sociopath, someone who doesn't process, you know, n- regular human emotions, which right. you know, we shouldn't be, you know, m- be making light of. Uh, no, but I it's feel like these when are, you understand that it's a documentary in in that regard, yeah, it kind of changes things for you. It's like, oh, that was sort of the moment that I realized this is not a comedy. No, this is a a harrowing drama. Yeah, about a man with a illness. clear mental illness. Yeah, with a sick um, illness. Yeah, yeah, and and how he, you know, how he deals with that and. You know, the people around him, like, you know, as with so many stories of, of addicts, um, it's really the this, this story of the people around them that is, that is you know, the, the real drama yeah. and the real tragedy. Yeah. Um, and the sort of, you know, the, the pain and the suffering that, that is inflicted on them um, from, you know, at the hands of the addict. All right. Back, yeah. back to Drew. So Drew makes basically a cold offer to the Valcos, to Tom. He says very simply... Tom, please, please let me stay here. No. I'll pay you. My family's not for sale, pal. Tom, I'll pay you $250,000. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, son. Exactly. (laughs) Welcome home, son. All he has to hear is 250 k And like that, with the snap of a finger, welcome home, son. Wow. Um, So just like that, Tom accepts the offer. Drew's lawyer comes in. He draws up a contract. And yeah. Well, the first thing I love is that uh, within minutes of Gainolf, so Gainolfini <clears throat> and Drew are just speaking alone. You know, sort of at, right outside the door. Mm. This is not a family decision. Right. This is a decision that that Tom makes on his own with <laughs> with Drew. Right. Um. You know, here's the two hundred and fifty large, and he's like, "Boom, done deal. Welcome home, right. son." Yep. Immediately, immediately, Affleck is in the house. He is using the bathroom. Urinating. Christine opens her own bathroom. Oh boy. Reminder, this is her this is the home yeah, her the house, house that she lives in. Yeah. It's her bathroom. She opens it up, sees Drew taking a piss in there, just standing, pissing in her toilet. Oh boy. And he says, Mom. Mom. Oh boy, Ben. <laughs> this is gonna be a hairy situation. Yeah. This is gonna be a boy, hairy what? situation. There need, we need some some explaining here. What has what has happened so here? So back in the bedroom, Tom appears to be watching some sort of hunting program. <laughs> you know, of course, because that's what he does. Checks out. This is a guy, blue collar guy, blue collar guy wears flannel, and he's just sort of on the edge of the bed, sort of drooling, watching like a deer get shot or something like that. 
And uh, basically, Tom explains to his wife, uh, 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 Christine, hey, look, uh, this is the deal. This guy's going to pay us $250,000, and that's that. So uh, cut to Drew's lawyer. Yeah, the lawyer, <laughs> the lawyer is quickly brought in to drop and sign contracts because you know Drew's a businessman. You know, it, it, sure. it, it, it's only it's only smart. It's a big day for this family. Very well. All right, uh, Mr. Latham agrees to pay the sum of two hundred fifty thousand dollars to the Valcos for services rendered until eleven fifty nine p.m. on Christmas Day, and for said sum. The Valco family will aid Mr. Latham in recapturing those childhood Christmas memories, including, but not limited to, all due festiveness, celebrations, various and sundry merriments, and Yuletide glee. It's only, it's only smart. It's only you you know, sort of shrewd yourself. on his part yeah. to make sure that we get this all in writing, make it formal. Um, you know, he's putting up $250,000 of his own money here. He wants to make sure... That he's getting, you know, what he what he pays for, which is only understandable. You know, it's only sensible, only sensible, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Oh, and of course, the uh, as one of the stipulations in the contract is that uh, Drew gets to sleep in his old old room, uh, forcing forcing Brian or to the guest room. Brian. I mean, Brian yeah. just suffers again and again throughout this film. Brian, you're in the guest room. My computer's not in the guest room, Mom. How am I supposed to study? Use your imagination. Use your imagination. Oof. Because you see that Brian, uh, so Drew is is not the only addict, uh, Chris, in, in this <laughs> oh, film. God. The other addict, uh, which we are going to have yeah. to talk about, is, young is Brian. Brian. Yeah. Young Brian. Now, his addiction is not the same as Drew's. Uh, Brian is addicted to internet pornography. Uh, and his dad fully knows this um, and is sort of constantly like, making light of it and, uh-huh. and joking about it. Um, but as we will get to, this uh, this addiction will have some grave implications later in the film. Um, I would love, Ben, at but, some point to, um, while we're on the topic of addictions, just put a name to what exactly... So w- what exactly Affleck is addicted to? So we know very clearly... That's a good question. Very clearly, yeah. Brian... Very clearly, Brian is a, is addicted to online porn. There's no question yeah, about that. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, very straightforward. Black and, and white textbook <laughs> case, yeah. Affleck's addiction is a little bit more... There's some gray area there. So It's more complicated, a little more nuanced. I yeah. want us to I would think s- about that. Let's think about that over the course of the pod. Maybe we'll revisit that question maybe towards the end of the podcast. What exactly do we think Affleck is addicted to? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Let's yeah, let's let's mull it as we as we pr- progress here. So Brian has been displaced from his bedroom, and again, just very simply for the audience, because this is kind of now the crux of the movie here. the The contract, I- I- the uh, the agreement is simply two hundred and fifty yes. large, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to stay for Christmas until eleven fifty nine p.m. in exchange for the Valcos helping. Uh, Drew recapture his childhood Christmas memories. Yes, the Valcos have to act as his family, contractually um, fully, obligated. fully, fully in character at all times. Yep. Do everything that he demands of yep. them, like go Christmas shopping. Uh, obviously, the Christmas tree is a big plot point that we'll get to. Yep. Um, you know, wear Christmas hats, sing uh, all these things that they would not normally be doing. Um, 
Well, I mean, maybe they would be. I don't know. You know how they celebrate Christmas as a family, right. but but all now with a stranger uh, who has invaded their home uh, and and is basically holding them uh, hostage, hostage uh, in their in their own house. Yes. Um, and they have to do this because they are clearly financially unstable. Um, yep. And they need this money uh, probably to, you know, to survive, to pay bills. Um, and it's a, it's a simple matter of, uh, you know, m- money taking precedence over, you know, human life, human dignity. Um, it's a, it's a uh, what can we say, Chris? It's, it's sort of a tale as old as time. Sure. Uh, uh, hey, here's $250,000 uh, and we're going to do a little role playing. Uh, yeah, y- you want it? You interested? And bottom line, Gandolfini bit. You know, he needed the yeah, cash. Yeah, and uh, so here's that's a here's that. a here's a dollar bill at the end of a fishing pole. Uh, if you want it, you're do gonna you have bite. to do a little dance for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So next thing we know, Affleck gets a good night of sleeping in his childhood in his childhood bedroom. I want to point mm-hmm. out that when he wakes up, we notice that um, <laughs> I don't know if you got this detail, but there is a pinned up photo of a of a scantily clad woman on Brian's uh, childhood bedroom wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yep, just... I did notice that. Yeah, Brian's bedroom is just covered in pornographic images. Uh, I mean, as, the, aside from the content that he views on his computer, literally the writing was. On the wall uh, here with, with <laughs> Brian. Uh, yeah, he does not. Hi- he does not. He's not very good at hiding his addiction. Let's just say. <laughs> no. So um, a- Affleck wakes up, and what does he want to do? He, I mean, this guy's just Ben. He's just a big baby. He gets up and he goes right to that banister, <laughs> Ben. He wants to slide down that banister like he's a little kid, even though yeah. you know, I don't know. He's a six foot tall, two hundred and fifty yeah, pound six man. Six foot two, yeah, yeah. Pr- easily like well, yeah, one eighty, maybe two hundred pounds. Sure, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, a, a hulking, strapping uh, young young uh, young buck. Uh, absolutely Drew is decimates. Absolutely gets decimates on that banister, just smash, smash the floor. And all of the, yeah. you know, the whole family wakes up. What the hell is this? You know, there's some accident. Everyone comes running out, and all of a sudden, you can see it, Ben, in Gandolfini's eyes. He's like, maybe this is going to be a little bit more work than what I bargained for. You know? Yeah, he is a little bit uh, upset. And meanwhile, uh, Drew is lying on his back uh, after this accident, just laughing maniacally. I mean, like he's just, he is just like full on, like he is pig and shit. Yeah, yeah. He he's basically like the Joker at this point. He is just a a complete psychopath. Never thought of uh, that. Just, ben. Wow. <laughs> he's just. He says it's okay. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. As he's laughing uncontrollably on his back on the ground uh, amidst all the, um, you know, the, the the pieces of the banister. Again, so uh, just conjuring up a lot of the. Uh, the imagery and themes from the film uh, Home Alone. We're in Chicago. It's Christmas time, and you yeah. got this guy who's having an absolute blast in this house. Yeah, and there's a lot of violence happening. There's a lot of uh, terror happening, and this guy is just laughing. Having his, the time his, of his life. His silly little ass off. And Gandolfini's um, not so thrilled. You know, he all of a sudden he see him duct taping this banister, and it's dawning on him. You know, I, I, again, maybe I maybe I, I didn't know what I was getting in, getting myself into. So, cut to the breakfast table, Ben. All right, let, oh let's have a little breakfast. <laughs> maybe maybe that'll smooth things over. We all have a little breakfast. Guess what? Uh, uh, Affleck Drew has made himself at home because Ben, this is his home. Make no mistake. This mis- is now his home. Make no mistake. Yep. This is his home. He's entitled to whatever is in that fridge. Feed my salami. 
That's what it looks like. Hmm. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, I know. Not really breakfast food, but it was looking good in the fridge. I had a dog, so. Yeah, it is good. Is that the last of it? Yep. You didn't want some, did you? No, it's all right. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, this is his breakfast table, his kitchen. Sure. It's his food in the fridge. Sure. Um, he does not have to uh, contemplate anyone else's, you know, needs or 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 feelings. Uh, there's no consideration for literally anyone else um, in the house, uh, ex- you know, except sort of through the prison of, of Drew and the sick game that he's playing with That's these right. people. Um, so, yeah, so he's just, uh, nonchalantly, uh, chewing on a, on a piece of salami. Looks absolutely you know, like, delicious. Looks so good. He's doing a thing where he, he kind of, like, bites it and then, like, pulls it like a little string. Yeah, like it just the, sort uh, of teases the, it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as we all did when we ate salami as children, mm. which is, again, the, the emotional state that, that Drew is now in is that of a 10-year-old, maybe? Yes. Nine-year-old? Yes. Um, uh, you know, I wonder, like, sort of what um, what emotional age he has reverted to at this point, but somewhere probably in that you know adolescent range. Um, so, so Tom comes into the kitchen, sees Drew eating his salami, and who boy, he is not, not so happy about that. Not thrilled. But here's the thing, Ben: it's dawning on Gandolfini now. This is what I got myself into. Like I literally, yeah, this is the deal. I made a with deal. With, I, made. I made a deal with the devil. I made a deal with the Joker, and I accepted a cash payment of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And now this guy yep. is going to eat my goddamn salami. He's going to break my my banister. And this mm-hmm. is just this is the world I live in now. And yeah, I'm, this is the kind of stuff I'm going to have to be dealing with. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, James Gandolfini. I'm sorry, Mr. Valco. But if you want that sweet cash, you are going to have to put up with a joker. And yep. You made your bed. Now you got to sleep yep, in it. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, next thing uh, Drew wants to do, Ben, of course, wants to, you know, wants to revisit his childhood, wants to re-experience Christmas as a child. Hey, let's go on a family adventure. Let's go pick out and buy a it is Christmas, Christmas time. tree, Ben. Yep. So I mean the whole point is to do Christmas stuff here. It's Christmas time. We're surviving Christmas. Yep. Drew wants the family specifically for Christmas. That's right. So we gotta do some Christmas stuff. Everyone's gonna pile um, into the family car and oh boy. Drew has a little stipulation for Tom Valco, <laughs> Ben. What is it that he asks him to wear? And this is just as humiliating as it gets, but what is it? I mean, this is literally one of several moments where Drew is just exercising. He, it's almost like he's doing performative uh, manipulation at this point. Like I this mean, is he not is a torturer. Absolutely, this he is not is necessary. Torturer. This is yeah. this is an act of pure sheer sadism. So can I ask? Drew pulls out. <laughs> is Drew, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> now, what are you going to ask? Is Drew a villain? Is Drew a villain? I. I don't know. I don't think it's. I think we need is to. He an, is he an I think anti-hero? that's a question for the end of the movie, Chris. <laughs> but um, it's certainly a, a question that that is you know present in my mind, and it's something that that I've been grappling with uh, throughout. Is he a Walter um, White style antihero? Hmm. It's, I don't. Or 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 is he a victim? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I think we should let's discuss as we when, once we do the, uh, the the postmortem at the Absolutely. end here. Absolutely. Um 
But so so yeah, getting back to the the family car ride, everyone's piled into the old family station wagon, and Drew pulls out a Santa hat. Hey, Dad. He's talking to you, genius. Yeah, Drew. Would you uh, do me a kindness? Put this hat on. My dad always used to wear a Santa hat when we were on Christmas tree show. In public. Yeah, 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 that would be no. And in private, that, that would be no, too. Please wear the hat. No, I'm not, I'm not wearing the hat. Tom, you gotta wear the hat. I'm wear, not wearing the hat. Wear the hat, Tom. I'm not wearing the hat. Now get it away from me before I shove it up your ass. Tom, are you familiar with the phrase breach of contract? Are you familiar with the phrase breach of contract? Jesus, Drew, I thought you were just a little boy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the thing. He he sort of flits back and forth between he this, this, you know, like, very sweet ability. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's he is he is literally um uh bipolar. I don't know if that's well, right. I, I don't know if I should say literally because I'm not a doctor. I right. can't diagnose this guy from afar, but but it certainly seems like he exhibits the ability to like um, flip between like realities. He can be completely yeah. like a fully realized nine-year-old boy, but also yeah. a fully realized business executive at the same time. That is the most twisted thing. And in one moment, he is a sweet, innocent, you know, adolescent, just experiencing the 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 joys and the happiness of childhood. And in the next beat, he is a absolutely merciless, Megalomania. cruel yeah. businessman. Yeah. Just you know, getting what he wants at any cost, yep. um, and he can just go back and forth between these two states like effortlessly. It's yep. it's really it's it's stunning, stunning to to observe. So we pile into the family station wagon. We wind up at poor Don's Treeland, a you know just like one of these depots where you pick out a Christmas tree. Poor James Gandolfini, Tom Valco is uh, forced to wear the Santa hat. Of course, he made a deal yeah. with the devil, and he wants that sweet cash, so he's going to wear the hat. And boy, oh boy, do they pick out, Ben, a massive tree. I mean, this thing is yeah. an absolute elephant of a tree. And they uh, they pile it into the car. And uh, away we go. Um, yeah, Tom struggles to get it up on the roof. Um, but I love the, <laughs> again, it's the details. It's the, it's the little details, uh, the, the small touches of this movie. So as Tom, I don't know if you caught this, Chris, but oh as boy. Tom is oh. struggling. And Brian, by the way, Brian. Drew, Drew <laughs> Brian, poor Brian. Drew is not helping in any way. He's just no standing way. there instructing Tom, yeah, get it up there. You got it. You got it. Let me be uh, very It's a very, clear, ben. very large, he, he very heavy tree. $250,000 for a service. He's not going to be lifting a goddamn finger. Yeah. No, sir. No, sir. Um, this is this is purely a uh, a spectator sport for yeah. for Drew. So yeah. as Tom is struggling to get the tree up on top of the car, it cuts to inside the car where oh. Brian, young Brian, oh is just... And, and reminder, his... His sister. Oh no! Wait, sorry. His sister's not here yet. Nope. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump Alicia ahead. Has not his arrived. mother, though. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. His mother, Christine, is in the car with him, and uh, Brian is just drawing a naked woman yeah. in the in the steam of the car window with you know comically uh, oversized breasts, uh, which he is dotting with uh, with two nipples. Um, just like a real attention ex- you know, to detail there. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, very uh, explicit uh, nude image uh, on the on the car window um, with I mean, his the kid knows you know, mother. Yeah, with his mother and father just right there. It's um, interesting, man. I mean, Brian is just kind of in plain sight. You know, like his issues are in plain sight, and he is exactly basically begging for help. You know, yeah. These are all every single at every turn. It is a it is a cry of help. It is a very obvious you know like acting out that just no one is picking up on. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. But you know, here's the thing, Ben. We've done a lot of talking about Drew and his um, his neuroses and his you know issues, his problems, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, we're gonna have to talk about Tom and Christine. And how they too are a little negligent, Ben. Like they, yeah. there is some oversight here as well on their part, Ben, um, because poor Brian really needed a hand, and he just wasn't getting that right now from his parents, who are a little yeah. bit wrapped up in their in themselves in their in their own world. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Brian is you know he's drowning. He's he's extending that hand, uh, you know, for 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 help, and uh, no one no one is reaching out to grab it. Back at the house, Ben, we are decorating this tree, and I mean, again, this is a this is a massive tree. I mean, this is a dinosaur of a tree. Oh yeah, all the way up to the ceiling. Literally yep. goes to the ceiling, and uh, this sucker is is covered in decorations. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, very garish, very very overstuffed with the lights and the decorations and the yep. tinsel. And so while we are trimming the tree, Ben, the eldest Valco child. Oh Alicia. wait, wait. Let's not let's not uh, skip over the uh, the Christmas Carol. That, oh Jesus! Uh, Excuse I, me. I, I, yeah. Again, this is just another um, element of, uh, of of Drew's sadism, where he forces forces Tom to sing uh, a painful rendition of "O Christmas Tree," extremely awkward and and dark. Um, Tom does not want to sing. Uh, he actually asks, would it make any difference to you if I didn't want to? Uh, to which Drew replies, not really. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, you stand in woodland beauty. You are as green as winter snow. Winter snow. Winter snow, as in summer's brightest glow. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. You stand in woodland beauty. <laughs> so Jesus. forces Tom I mean, totally to sing. emasculates the guy in front of O'Hara <clears throat> and Brian. I ask you, is this man a hero or a villain? Keep it in your head. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll review that at the end of the at the end of the podcast episode. But I mean, there's a case to be made here that this is not a good guy. Um, yeah. So. I mean, he is. You're, you're right, though. He's emasculating Tom in front of his wife and child, and who are cringes. sitting right there on the couch. Yep. She, they're both cringing. It's extremely painful, and and Drew is just exhibiting the power that he has over another human being. Like literally, just you know, like dance for me, uh, sing for me. And just I am, sicko. I am, yeah, proving to you the power of money that I can get you to do whatever I ask you to do. Yep. He is they he is a slave. That's literally uh he has made a slave uh uh of this man. <sighs> yeah, it's quite stunning. So then the singing is mercifully interrupted by a knock at the door. Alicia, the oldest Valco child, arrives home and uh she has a reaction on her face Ben as if to say uh 
excuse me, I'm sorry. Did I uh, did I come to the right house? I don't seem to know who you are, Drew Latham, yeah. anther- answering the door. Yeah, who is the stranger who's answering this? the door to to my home? That's right. And yeah. this is this is Alicia, by the way, played by the great Christina Applegate. Yes, um, a tour de four per- performance here, I'll say. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chris, uh, 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 Alicia comes home. The situation is explained, is outlined a little bit by by uh, Christine. And yeah, Christine tries to explain the circumstances. Alicia hears the story, immediately says that's insane. Mm. Um, and the fact is that Drew's not happy about it either. Because you see, Chris, he never had a sister when he was a little kid. So this is ruining his whole vibe, the whole facade yeah. uh, that he has created, um, uh, that he is very like uh, uh, you know meticulously crafted um, with his family. Right. This 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 new reality that he's created for himself has suddenly been interrupted and shattered by the introduction of a of a new character of Alicia. Uh, and Drew says, "This is bullshit right here. I never had a sister." Um, so then I love the, the little sequence that follows where they're trying, he's, Drew is struggling to figure out how he can fit this, again, human being, this other person, um, who is a member of this family, uh, Drew is trying to figure out how he can fit her into his sick little, uh, you know, fantasy world. Yep. And, um, what is the, do you remember the thing that his first, uh, sort of instinct to uh, uh to, oh, to the, the... yes of course he aflac suggests that christina applegate could be uh their ecuadorian cleaning lady um, yes they get off to the wrong foot but at breakfast aflac suggests oh wait wait so that's actually later on okay but literally very very right from the uh, first moment he sees her uh, still uh just inside the front door um, as, you know, Alicia is like, uh, oh, you know, she's like kind of like sassy or whatever. So she's like, oh, I could be the Ill- Ill- illegitimate love child uh, if you really want. And Drew says, no, 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 I got it. That could be good. Or you know what? Know. She could be the maid. She could be the maid. You're Please. the maid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at first you're kind of like, okay, whatever. That was just like a silly like one-off joke no. about him. He wanting let it drop. No, yeah. Wanting this grown woman to be his maid. But no, 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 no. No, he's fully. It turns out that that serious. is a a fixation that he that he kind of hangs on for a no, while. He's going to pursue that hard. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's see. Next scene. Yeah, we get the the, the tree gets lit. Now I, it feels I, like Christmas. I want to point out the tree. I, this feels like such a nineteen uh, a two thousand and four thing. The the tree is lit by the clapper. Do you remember the clapper? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a key detail because, of course, you know Drew spares no expense. Um, he he believes in uh, you know only, only the finest uh, luxuries and and and, uh, and conveniences in life. So yeah, the, the tree is controlled by the clapper. Uh, this is a, qu- a real quick scene, but just another um, I think very telling moment was when uh, it's snowing outside. Mm. Um, so Drew oh. very excitedly, like a like a puppy dog, is like it's snowing, it's a snow day. Uh-huh. He drags poor Brian outside, mm-hmm. basically like has him stand in place and just continue yeah. continuously pelts him with snowballs yep. while hollering and whooping. Um, Brian is not uh, you know engaging in any way. He's not throwing anything back. He's literally just standing there in place mm-hmm. as Drew, like from you know five ten feet away, just. Pelson with snowballs. No! Facial ice ball! Woo! 
Ha <laughs> ha! Look out! Oh! Right in the nuts! Right in the nuts! I can't feel my toes. Here he comes! Look of vengeance! I the tiger! Oh, oh, now he's getting furious. Woo! Woo! In the face, at one point he throws one at his midsection and yells, <laughs> oh, right in the nuts, right in the nuts. So, um, really just having a blast, inflicting not just emotional pain now, he's moved on to physical pain. Torture. He is, torture, yeah, without a doubt. Physical, physical torture so and humiliation. I'm unclear on. I wish Affleck and Gandolfini and O'Hara could have gotten specific for the audience here was what is the financial payout of this of this sort of contract because is like is Brian getting a piece like he, mm, good good point basically yeah. my ask is this like why should Brian be subjected to these snowballs unless he's yeah. seeing a piece of that sweet cash I right. I really feel like it needs to be Gandolfini and O'Hara that get the snowballs to the groin um, yeah, because it just. I mean, does I think as a right. Yeah, as a as a dependent, you know, Brian is probably what fourteen, fifteen years old, right? Um, and I think he's basically just kind of like assumed that he's part of the deal. Um, yeah, that that again, he's just another puppet uh, of Drew's um, that he can do with as clearly as he pleases. Um, so yeah, very sick, very twisted. So Brian um, is just getting pummeled, pummeled by these snowballs, and then. Who comes yeah, outside? As if, as if, as if Brian doesn't need, you know, as as if Brian needs any further, you know, sort of psychological torment in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we've talked about his need for clear need for help, mm. but instead of help, uh, he's getting quite the opposite. Um, and uh, until yeah, so Tom finally comes out, uh, puts a stop to things, um, and in a very menacing manner says, you know, why don't you throw one at me uh, to to Drew? Drew kind of backs down, um, but then they have like a little snowball fight where uh, Tom clearly like gets out a little bit of his frustration on Drew by uh, pelting him in the face with snowballs. Um, so I was actually kind of surprised by that moment, you know, sort of for the first time, Tom exercises some some agency here, you know, a pushback. And, and yeah, takes takes a little bit of aggression out. You like to um, see it. It, it, yeah, indeed. So, you know, it's not completely one-sided little back, anymore. A little backbone from Tom. Very healthy. Nice to see. Uh, yeah, but then as if to reassert his dominance within this house, um, in the next scene, uh, they're at breakfast, and uh, Christine attempts... Again, Christine is doing her damnedest here to play along, to, to you know, get through this as quickly yeah, and painlessly as possible. Let's just get across the she, finish line here. Yeah, so she's she's trying to do what she can. She uh, pours Drew a nice mug of hot cocoa. Um, Drew takes it, says, thanks, Mom, and then goes, mm, no. My real Aww. mom puts marshmallows in the hot chocolate. For Christ's sake. Um, so, yeah, he's like, again... He could have easily just been like, "Oh, thanks for the hot chocolate." Like you are playing, you are fulfilling your side of the contract here yes. by acting like my mom. Right. But no, he has to kind of like he has to rub it you in. You know, dri- yeah, dr- drive the knife in a little bit. Rub salt in the wound to be like, no, 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 no. I need you to do better. Is it fair um, then to say that he's a spoiled brat? Is it fair to is it is it fair to wonder if Drew? is a spoiled brat. He's always had everything he wanted. He was always able to buy his way through life. 
And well, clearly, he's never he's never had anyone in his life tell him no. That's obvious from you know the the life that he has uh, in Chicago. Yep. Um, you know the 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 you know his ability he, to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's so so sort of shocked and taken aback uh, the first time when his girlfriend um, you know sort of turns down his offer of you know the feature tickets. He, it doesn't make sense to to him that anyone would ever, you know, deny him something. All right. So yeah, he just keeps uh just keeps sort of manipulating his way through breakfast. He gets mm-hmm. those marshmallows from Christine. Right. Um, but then it's also at this point that he doubles down on the ugh, the cleaning lady. The apple game. Thing. The apple yeah, game. This theory. is a great so this relationship between Drew and Alicia is just absolutely fascinating to me. So clearly she, you know, she does not like him. She wants nothing to do with him. She thinks this whole situation is insane. Uh, when she comes down to breakfast that morning, she actually refers to Drew as freak. And then um, uh, at one point, yeah, so later after after he turns down the first uh, cup of cocoa from Christine, uh, Drew turns to, um, uh, 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 he, he turns to Alicia and says, if you don't want to play my sister. You know what I was thinking? If you don't want to play my sister, maybe you could be like a wonderful, mysterious Ecuadorian cleaning lady, you know, or or Swedish cleaning lady, whatever. The ethnicity is not important, but I think cleaning lady is good. Maybe you could be like a wonderful, mysterious Ecuadorian cleaning lady, Jeez. you know. And again, this is after he already suggested the the cleaning lady when when Alicia yeah. first came into the house, um, and then he goes. Or a Swedish cleaning lady, whatever. And then I, I wrote this in all caps. The ethnicity is not important, but I think cleaning lady is good. Yeah. So, yeah, that that well, kind of tells you all you need well, to know. Well, crass, well, crass from Affleck there. Yeah. You'd love to um, see um. You'd love to see um just be a little bit more sensitive about these issues, but he's not, man. Like he just he just doesn't I mean, have the awareness about him. Yeah. Let's let's be uh you know sort of judicious here. This is 2004. You know, it was a different time. Uh, I think probably they they thought these were you know very funny kind of edgy jokes yeah. that they were that they were including here. Well, Affleck but, goes uh, goes all in. Next scene, Affleck starts calling uh, Christina Applegate's character Alicia. He starts calling her Consuela. Uh, yes, that's right. So this Ecuadorian thing is not going away. Uh, yeah, no, no. This is a, this is a real sticking point for him. Yeah, that's right. Alicia asks him, you know, why aren't you annoying your real family? Affleck uh, Drew replies, "Not really any of your business, is it, Consuela?" Um, yeah, and then and then in the next scene, he's passing out scripts, scripts. to everyone in the family. Yep. Yeah, because he wrote a quote unquote sequence. So Drew writes a script for the family to read at the you know at the at the dining room table. Uh, he hires a local actor to play the part of his grandfather, whom he calls right. his Duda. Duda. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of quick moments, just, you know, we don't have to go through every line here, but yeah, uh, again, later in this, uh, uh, as they're reading the script, uh, it's clear that Drew has made Alicia Consuela in the script. Um, so then one line I really liked, uh, towards the end of them reading the script, uh, aloud at the dinner table, uh, again, just for Drew's personal pleasure, uh, Christine says, quote, um, they're like eating, you know, they're like fake eating dinner or whatever in the scene. Mm. And then Christine has the line, Brian, if you eat it all up, I will let you sleep with me like I never did when you were little. Um, and then like Drew like looks up and like kind of like smiles, like searching for a reaction from from everyone. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very awkward. And then he's kind of like, oh, never mind that, that. That didn't work. I guess. Well, but I was. Yeah, that really kind of 
threw me for a loop. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we have the introduction of Duda, who's just yes. a local old man uh, who's, who's, I guess, a, a, a community theater actor in town mm. that Drew, again, just threw money at. What does this mean? Duda enters in his bathrobe. Sweet Jim Jiminy, cold corn in the morning. Ooh, this weather is killing my joints. Uh, Brian, go get the shovel. Oh, no, 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 Tom, 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 listen to me. When Alicia came, she totally ruined everything. You yeah, know what I mean? Right, because everything was just so normal up until that point. Silencio, por favor. So I realized what I had to do was expand the family to get my real family. I had to find my grandpa, so I went and found my duda. Here he is, my duda. Your duda looks exactly like the guy we saw in Christmas Carol, played Scrooge. That's right. I do a lot of community theater. And this Christmas night, I'm reprising my role of Scrooge in the Lincolnwood Theater Group's production. A Christmas Carol, I hope you all can make. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole separate podcast on Duda. I know Duda is yeah. a favorite Duda, of they're... both of ours. Oh, boy, um, yeah. Duda, we'll be getting to Duda more more of him later. Yeah. Um, but uh, where where were we? Where were we? So, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, Tom, you know, objects uh, to now a second stranger uh, invading his home. He tries to say, no, no, this wasn't part of the contract. That's right. Drew that's right. just immediately, his first instinct is, okay, I'll give you 25000 extra dollars. More, more cash. It's always, it's yeah. always more cash. Just, Drew's oh, I know how to solve this time. problem. Here's more money. Uh, Tom hears that and immediately says, how you doing, Duda? Nice to see you again. You can stay in the living room. So again, uh, knowing knowing um, the you know sort of the weakness of these of, of this family that their their financial you know strain, um, Drew knows that he can just do do anything, get whatever he wants just by throwing money at them. Um, and sure enough, Tom caves every time. Um, so then, yeah, let's see. A little bit later, we have the oh yeah, we have the scene. Uh, there's like a little montage where they go back into town for more Christmas activities, uh, you know, shopping. present shopping, yeah. picture taking. Yep. Um, at one point, Drew just sprints across a street without even looking at any of the oncoming cars um, as like they all like screech and like honk at him. And he right. like doesn't, it doesn't blink an eye. He doesn't even look at the cars that come within inches of like hitting him as he just like walks across the street. Again, well, this man. That's sort of how he moves through life, Ben. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, like, exactly. No he doesn't... Yeah. There is nothing outside no of his field of vision. Others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to the extent that, like, even an oncoming car doesn't doesn't give him pause. It doesn't, you know, make him make him even yep. flinch because he doesn't see it or hear it. It is, then, like, yeah. very clearly a mental illness that he is suffering. Absolutely. So then we realize, of course, that we are at the the shopping mall, of course, for a family photo, for the Christmas family photo. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the whole family gathered into a little trailer-type uh, vehicle, and uh, <laughs> Drew with an absolutely sadistic looking smile for the family Christmas photo. Mm-hmm. So we're driving back home now. We have Duda in the car and oh boy. Uh, Drew. Yeah, this is another big yep. moment. So when they're in the car and driving back from the you know family Christmas photo, uh, Drew uh, tries to give Duda a Christmas cookie and Duda uh, says, no, 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 I, I can't eat that. I'm diabetic. Um, and Drew responds, that dog won't hunt, my friend. Real dude, I wasn't diabetic, so go ahead and take one. Look, kid, I get that. But if I eat this thing, I can't act not dead. Hey! 
Slow down, the roads are icy. Nah, that dog won't hunt. The real Duda wasn't diabetic, so go ahead and take one. So <laughs> he, <laughs> I mean, I just wrote in all caps, my God, this sadistic sociopath. He is forcing yeah. an old man who is diabetic, who just told him, and he Duda says something like, if I eat that, that cookie, I can't, I, I, I won't act like I'm alive anymore. Um, right. And... Drew hears that and he's just like, I don't care about that. I need you to play the role that I have in my fi- in my in my you know sick and twisted fantasy world in my head. So you have to eat this cookie. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely nuts. Then we have a heart to heart here um, between uh, Gandolfini and Affleck. And Gandolfini uh, reveals in the privacy of his garage, this is later that evening, that mm-hmm. uh, he's thinking of breaking up with Catherine O'Hara, Christine. That's that's right. Yeah, things are not good. Real, it turns out things real quick, are not good. R- yeah. Right before that, though, in order to uh, uh, have a, a private conversation, they have to kick Brian out. So Brian has now been moved to like the, sh- like the tool shed um, <laughs> since Duda right. is now sleeping in the, in the guest room. Or in the den, or wherever he is. Um, so Brian is like, like on a cot in a tool shed. Tom and Drew come in to kick him out so that they can have a conversation. And before leaving, Brian walks out and says, "When I become a serial killer, don't act all surprised." Um, again, he is just saying it out loud. He is screaming, yeah, screaming for help. Um, he is trying to make it clear to these people what he is going through. Uh, and, and the kind of damage that is being uh, being inflicted on uh, on him on a daily basis, no one uh, pays any mind. Uh, Tom, yeah, tells Drew that he and Christine are thinking about breaking up. Um, Drew says, "You know, don't worry about it. Um, I'll talk to Christine. I'll make it all better. Uh, you should just worry about Tom, and you know, take some Tom time or whatever he says." That's right. right? That's right. Um, yeah. So so then. Yeah, Affleck decides he's going to take Catherine O'Hara, Christine, for a shopping spree. Um, right. And he wants to set her up with a private photo shoot so she feels happier about her life, the state of her life. Maybe reconsider this whole divorce thing. Maybe she just needs mm-hmm. a little a little happiness in her life, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Drew says, how about me and you just go shopping? Um, and then one line I thought was very tw- telling, uh, Drew says... It's fun just to buy shit sometimes. Mm. Um, very, very revealing. Clearly, um, y- you know, uh, be- betraying be the, the yeah the the fact that that Drew deals with his emotions with money. Um, but uh, but yeah, so he he offers uh, Christine this this like uh, you know fun photo shoot like a let's get you dressed up. You're beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know you don't you don't see it, but you're actually beautiful. Um, you know, you need to kind of embrace that. And um, and to his credit, this is a, a message that kind of hits home for Christine. She breaks down uh, yeah. in tears and um, and uh, hugs Drew. And of course, just as they're hugging, uh, Brian walks in and sees them hugging and is just like confused, doesn't obviously doesn't know the context, just like walks in at the last second and sees them like embracing and crying. And he's just like, you know, it's just like one more little glitch in his in his brain. Uh, I I wrote in my notes, yet one more cement block is removed from Brian's emotional dam. When will he finally snap? Um, So, yeah. um, 
Oh, and then the one last thing that I really loved from the scene. So when Drew first comes into the room mm. to talk to Christine, you think he's going to be like, oh, Christine, I just heard about, you know, Tom just told me that you guys are going through a really, you know, difficult time right now. Like, let me try to talk to you. Like, even if um, he didn't mean it, you would think like sort of to, to meet his own perp to uh, for his own um, ends, he would, you know, act like a human being to try to make Christine feel better to keep this family together. No, Drew comes in and just says to Christine, uh, I'm feeling a little ripped off here because I thought I was getting a real family. So it's kind of <laughs> bullshit. Um, yeah. So again, wow. like when he hears of two people uh, going through a difficult, uh, you know, time in their relationship, you know, thinking about breaking up, you know, getting a divorce, uh, yeah. you know, and all the uh, all the trauma that would be associated with that, with the children and everything. Uh, Drew only he just experiences that. Yeah through his own lens um you know this is this is kind of bullshit because i paid for what i thought was going to be a real family of course um yeah so then yeah the next scene we have the um uh oh yeah the the tobogganing um oh wait first there's the photo shoot we should we should also mention uh drew wants to bring alicia and brian sledding he wants to take them to tobogganing and on their way out the house to do that who pulls up in a Chevelle SS? Mm, but, that's right. But Tom, Tom pulls up yeah. in an absolute dynamite vehicle, a gorgeous vintage red uh, uh, car. And yeah, an old 70s muscle car. His favorite car. And yeah. uh, boy, oh boy, he is as pleased as can be. And we we learn, of course, that it was purchased by... Who Ben? Uh, well, he used the the money uh, that that Drew gave him. That's right. Right. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, yeah. Taking Drew's advice to heart. Um, let me see if I can solve my uh, emotional problems through materialism, through 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 buying power. Right. Um, and uh, it seems to work. Um, uh, yeah, Tom is, uh, has a totally different uh, mood. He's very happy. Yeah. He says, I had one of these when I was single. He also brags that he got propositioned by a hooker on his way home mm. um, in, his new, in his new car. So, yeah, clearly it has, uh, this, this coping mechanism really worked. All right. Let's talk about the photo shoot, Ben. We need to talk oh, about this photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll, I'll let you take this one. So... Um, we should talk about Catherine O'Hara's um, makeup, hair, makeup, costume. Uh, yeah, how would you describe this look? Um, I would describe the look. She, well, her hair is very um, like teased out and really large. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Gosh. Very like 80s hair metal. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I'm having trouble here. There's just a lot of eye makeup. There's like a lot of black eye makeup. Um, mm-hmm. She has these buckles in uh, what looks to be some sort of corset that she's wearing. It's just mm-hmm. very revealing. Let's put it. Let's yeah. let's, let's put it mildly. Uh, she, yeah, it's very very salacious. Very. Um, I would I would describe it as kind of like goth mixed with like like kind of a kink dominatrix thing. Yeah. Um, uh, but like all sort of through the through the like uh, uh, mixing bowl of like early '90s like MTV, right. um, you know, like Poison, um, 
uh, you know, that that era, like kind of music video. It's like almost like kabuki level makeup where it's just yeah. like it it could not possibly be real. Um, yeah, she looks like a painted doll. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So yeah. the photo shoot begins and you start realizing she's going to be wearing a bunch of different um, outfits. She's just kind of going through all these different looks and mm-hmm. the photographer really gets into it here with her. Oh, I have to give a shout out to the photographer. This guy is one of my favorites, Udo Kier. Um, uh, and he's like this, uh, I like recognize him immediately. Uh, he's uh, like a, like this very like striking, uh, like blonde, like kind of piercing uh, pale eyes. Like he's like a cult German actor um, who was in like a lot of like Lars von Trier and mm. like Werner Herzog films. Okay. Um like uh, a great, great choice for like a sicko, like German, like fetishist, uh, like uh, photographer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couldn't have, couldn't have picked a better guy for that role. What are you doing? Modeling. Here. Chad, have you ever seen me so elated? It must be this woman. Yes. Isn't she sexy? Erotic. Speak! Oh, absolutely, Heinrich. She's got that special quality that... Get out now. But I'm agreeing with you, Heinrich. You hesitated. Yeah, you heard him. Get out! Beat it! Get out! Beat it! (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. He thinks we're serious. Very serious. Very serious. Yeah! Yeah! The photo shoot really uh, goes, takes an interesting turn. Uh, feels pretty risque, putting it lightly. Feels pretty risque. Um, but you know, I mean, it's a magazine photo shoot for all we know. Like it's, you know, it's like okay, yeah, that's probably how these things go. And from yeah, there, or maybe it's just like some, you know, you get your some some personal photos you can take home for your own personal use. Glamour, you know, it'll glamour just be like shots. a fun thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah glamour shot. Yeah. You know, you pay for a, an afternoon, you get done up, you get to feel like a movie star, exactly. and that's that. Great. So from yeah. there, we're gonna we're gonna move from the photo shoot onto the side of a mountain or, or a tall hill, um, where we're gonna do some tobogganing, some some mm-hmm. some sibling uh, some sibling time. And <laughs> Drew shoves Brian down a little bunny hill, and the whole thing feels kind of lame. And again, this is a bit emasculating for Brian. You know, he's just he's made to feel like a little baby. And, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, w- w- uh, uh, Drew wants to ratchet things up a little bit here, Ben. He gets yeah. us in a helicopter and flies us all the way to the top of a mountain finds the mm-hmm. highest possible peak. That one! Land! Yes, sir! Woo! It's gonna be some serious fun! Sure. In a sunny Bono kind of way. What's that I hear back there? Little chicken mumbo? So Alicia feels this is like a very stupid idea. She, she... Oh yeah, of course she's, she's reluctant. She's like... You know, she's always the one who's objecting to to this, you know, nonsense. Voice of reason. Um, yep. But somehow, like, you know, she's objecting, but she's also always sort of going along with it. Um, like, I love like uh, going back to the the family photo shoot uh, in the in like the little like um, 
uh, like Airstream or whatever, like the trailer, she's like clearly got like an like a like a sort of a sassy like ah oh, this is bullshit like face uh, like look on her face, um, and yet she's still there in the photo. That's like kind of um, her her whole method here. So she's like going along with this, but she's making it clear that she's not into it. Yeah, she thinks Drew is ridiculous. That's one hundred percent her vibe. Is that she's gonna stick around for the group activity, but make fun of everyone the whole time while it's happening and say how stupid everything is. Right, right. That's again, like as if function. she's like an eleven-year-old uh, like child in the family. But no, she's a she's a grown woman. She is, I don't know exactly how old, but like she's clearly like Drew's age. Um, in fact, one crazy thing that I um, uh, discovered in my research is that uh, at the time, well, I, uh, um, when this movie was made, uh, but I guess that doesn't matter because it's uh, just the, anyway. The ages of the care of the actors, James Gandolfini was only ten years older than Christina Applegate, um, uh, and yet he plays her father, which I thought was wow, pretty remarkable. Really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the point is that uh, Alicia uh, is is a grown woman uh, who you would think would be able to be like, I'm gonna leave, or like, I'm not gonna participate in this like very fucked up, um, you know, like a hostage situation. Um, but you know, she's she clearly has like, even though she's you know being sassy about it, she clearly has a little bit of interest in in Drew as that's starting to to emerge. Yeah, she has so, her own um, sort of like maybe sadistic isn't the word, but she does sort of love to see Drew like fail, and she mm-hmm. loves to she like she's kind of there for the car crash a little bit, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she is intrigued by him. She does want to see him sort of fall on his face, and for sure. um, so he basically gets her to join for the toboggan ride here. Yeah, they're goading each other. Yep. Uh, you know, Drew's calling her a chicken. Oh, because they're at the top of like an extremely steep hill. Um, you know, he again, he's just trying to like push her to see like uh, how, you know how far he can ma- manipulate this, yeah. this human being. Um, you know, she's objecting, but she's also kind of like goading him back. Um, you know, they're they're bickering like a couple of uh, you know high school kids who you know are are there's there's clearly like, like a bit of sexual chemistry going on sure. here. You know they don't want to admit it, but they're they're both kind of like, uh, you know they're 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 pushing each other's buttons. I would say. So she sits down on the toboggan. Chicken. Ah! Come on, let's go. You're getting on? Yeah. Let's go. No, 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 no. Uh, wraps her legs around, and all of a sudden they are off. They are flying down the side of this mountain. Ben, the toboggan mm-hmm. moves <laughs> at like a comically fast pace. Mm-hmm. Um. It moves like it. It almost seems like they sped up the film the way it's. It moves so fast, um, mm-hmm. but that they they wind up crashing in their sled winds up crashing in the snow, and at the bottom of the hill, and Drew they're both lying there laughing, and Drew moves in. Ben he moves in to kiss Alicia, who yeah again at the very last she... minute sneezes in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The turn the the like rapidity of like the evolution from Alicia completely like despising this man and like voicing her opinion that he is a psychopath um, and wanting no part of him to like literally like one day later. Cause another question I had is like exactly how many days does this movie take place over? Like, I don't know how like the, the time period is very confusing. It feels like it could be like two weeks or it could be like four days. Um, 
uh, it's not clear, um, you know, what, like, you know, what the date is when, when Drew first, you know, invades this family's home. Um, but yeah, like very quickly, Alicia goes from like, no, this is insane. Who is this stranger in my house to like lying in the snow, like rolling around with him very, very close, like, like nearly allowing him to kiss her. Um, before she sneezes in his face. Um, so then, you know, they both get sick and they're at home together with like, you know, some, some warm tea, like snuggling under blankets yep. pretty much. Recovering yeah. from their colds. And Alicia, I gather, shares a childhood memory with Drew about mm-hmm, an mm-hmm. old tree. Uh, yeah. That was coated in, in a, ice during a storm. That's right. In like a, a very uh, revealing moment, Alicia shares this like personal story from her childhood. Um, all the while, Drew is just processing this information into, you know, he's just like entering the data into his like psycho muse cage. Yep. <laughs> just thinking his next scam. like how, yeah. yeah, how can I use this? How can, how I, can I use this? this? Yeah. Yeah. This very personal, poignant, touching uh, childhood memory that, that this woman is now sharing with me. Uh, I'm going to file this away and, and use it for later. Yeah. Sure. So, um, cut to the front of the house. Um, Tom is working on his, his Chevelle, uh, doing, mm-hmm. doing a little engine work, of course. And who mm-hmm. gets out of her own car, but Christine. Yeah. And we notice Christine is wearing some tall, uh, patent leather boots, red patent mm-hmm. leather boots. Her hair is all done up. She's wearing she's wearing her makeup. And let's just say Tom takes notice. Hey. Hi. You look different. Should you do something? Are you serious? No, I just mean that uh, you look good. Yeah, he does. He says, you, you look go? different. Did you do something? <sighs> to which Christine kind of kind of laughs like, oh, Tom, yeah. you know, of course you, you wouldn't, you know. You would never understand uh, notice. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that this uh, sudden attraction is not just a one-way street because Christine sees Tom in his new car and she says, nice wheels. That's right. So the the uh, the Valcos at this point, it's safe to say, Ben are indulging. They are indulging a little bit in themselves, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christine has had her glamour shots. Tom has bought himself a fancy new car. He shows her the interior of the car, those classic red leather seats, and let's just say Christine remembers the uh, the the interior of that car, all right. Um, yeah, let's just say that the uh, the image of those of those seats uh, triggers a, a a a memory from from their youth. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, mm-hmm. sa- safe to say. Mm-hmm. Drew and and uh, Alicia are still sick. They're recovering from their colds, and mm-hmm. Alicia, re- you know, tells the story about the tree, how it was covered in ice that evening. We were making some chestnuts. Over right, we get a fire. Yeah, we get a Feliz Navidad montage. Oh, um, things seem to be pretty much going great now. Um, you know, this strange man has been in this family's home for you know a few days now, I guess, and uh, exerted his um, you know his, his sadistic uh, power over them. 
Um, but they are all kind of coming around to this yeah, maybe uh, new reality. Like a little benevolent, uh, you know, like thing that's happening there too. You know, yeah. Like maybe it Tom, isn't all sadistic. Yeah, Tom is kissing Christine under the mistletoe. Right. Now they're tossing presents back and forth. They're making cookies in the oven. They're hanging stockings. Um, Alicia is dancing with Duda again, a complete stranger who is now just living in her home. Um, and then like Drew cuts in, so they're dancing together. And uh, everything is peachy. Everything, everyone sure. is suddenly um, embracing the the Christmas spirit, um, and uh, and kind of making the most uh, of this um, of, of this situation. Um, to which I uh, wrote in my notes in capital letters, Stockholm syndrome. Wow. I, I I assume you're. Are you familiar with um, with that phenomenon? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty textbook case of that, I would say. Yeah, so the uh, the feeling of trust or affection uh, felt of kidnapping or, or a hostage being taken um, uh, toward a captor. Um, yes. Yes. So, yes, so now we have some dancing. Uh, Drew and Alicia, again, you, you just feel the romance brewing. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Drew tells Alicia he has a surprise for her. Yeah, and would you come outside with me? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. And Drew yeah. brings Alicia to her old tree, the old tree from her childhood, which mm-hmm. he has once I, again. Yep. I, lo- I love that uh, as as he's ushering her outside, um, much like a, a kidnapper does, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I've read that it's, you know, when whenever you are kidnapped, um, you know, uh, the one thing you, you want to try to avoid if you can is when your captor um, moves locations, when, when you know, um, the, the person that, that you are um, a, uh, a, a victim of, you know, tr- tries to, like, change locations. That's always kind of a sign of, um, of them, you know, sort of, like, taking control uh, over of you. and. Yeah. Yeah, and so as uh, Drew's leading Christine, uh, sorry, Alicia away from the house, she says, quote, why do I get the feeling this is going to end with, and she was never heard from again? Um, which is just, you know, a, a, a fun, snarky little comment. Sure. Because at that point, of course, she's not at all concerned um, about, uh, uh, you know, about this man uh, kidnapping her and killing her, even though <laughs> she's only known him for a day, maybe two. Yep. Um, Affleck. And he has clearly exhibited, you know, sociopathic or psychopathic tendencies. Absolutely. Um, she's totally cool with this. She's going along with Affleck, it. Affleck, I know, um, blinds a- Applegate with his scarf, says, quote, I need you. Oh, my God. I, was she blinded? I need you to trust me he says <laughs> holy shit i didn't even catch yeah. that that she was oh my god you're right she is blindfolded <laughs> she is blindfolded with his scarf as uh, he leads her by the hand yeah um much like this actually reminds me chris a lot like the beginning of what movie home alone no the town oh the town the town i was like wait does home alone begin like that too? <laughs> oh, wait a minute course. i never <laughs> yeah of course it's all i'm only realizing i'm only this is only dawning on me right now in this moment that this is the second movie that we have um covered in the rewatchables so, in which ben affleck leads yeah. a blindfolded woman right. um in uh, the first case to wow. water over here it's to a tree in the snow yeah, yeah through I, the snow I, yeah. actually i was going to bring this up at the end of the podcast but while we're here let's just do it similarities with the town you know rich man poor man basically in in the town we have Affleck as a poor man, but he is still a you know a uh, 
a a a hostage taker. Um, yes, sort of very clearly. Yeah, takes people hostage. Jesus, I literally did not make. I wasn't thinking about this at all until just now. And, this is actually incredible. <laughs> and basically, there is a parallel here with this movie. You know, he's just a rich. He, he's a rich man that ha- that takes people hostage. But right, right. Yeah. The only difference is is the amount of money involved. But in the same, yeah. In but both, both times, in both operating situations, from he's a position just, of power. Yeah. Yeah, he's using his power and his charm to just get what he wants, to just manipulate a female um, in both cases. Fundamentally, uh, a con artist that charms his way <laughs> into uh, other people's lives and abusing them, oh my God. irrespective of his you know, socioeconomic wealth. In one case, yeah. he's a poor guy living in, South, in Southie. In another case... Yeah. You know, well, no, it's uh, Char- Charleston, Charleston, Chris. Yeah. And then in yeah. the other case... It's a wealthy ad- advertising executive in uh, Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The parallels are really uncanny. Yeah, for sure. Um, holy shit. So anyway, um, <laughs> what a breakthrough that was. Um, so so yeah, so Drew leads Alicia through the woods uh, into a clearing <laughs> where there's um, this beautiful ice-covered tree, just like the tree that Alicia had described from her childhood memory in that incredibly personal, revealing moment, that, that little moment of, of sudden, you know, um, vulner- vulnerability, I would say, when she opened up to him. Um, and, and Drew used that um, to recreate this memory. And at first, uh, Alicia is, is blown away. She's, yeah. you know, emotional, you know, tears come to her eyes. She says, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't believe you, you did this for me. She thinks that it's this really, really sweet, touching gesture on Drew's this. part. Until... Hit it, guys. Well, until she realizes that he has completely uh, overdone it. Um, mm-hmm. He brings in a full pageant production uh, to surround the yeah. tree, and <clears throat> he basically has just taken the whole experience and put it on steroids. Yeah, and yeah. He says, "Wait till you see this," and then with a walkie-talkie to his mouth, says, "Hit it, guys!" And this entire production unfolds, um, including a, a nativity scene with like uh, actual like dwarves and camels, uh, a donkey. Yeah, uh, like a whole, this whole ridiculous... Excess. Yeah. Yeah, basically excess. So um, Alicia is not thrilled. Uh, she she is not thrilled with the lack of restraint by Drew. And she, you know, tells him they need to leave. And meanwhile, Ben, a name that we haven't mentioned in a while is going to pop back mm. up. And that's Missy. Mm. Ben, remember, ah, remember Missy? Of course. Remember Missy? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, she didn't want to go to Fiji, because this, remember? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm, the what? old... Yeah. yeah. She is now blown away. She is absolutely floored by mm-hmm. the uh, the diamond bracelet that she received. Right. Yeah. And... Well, the, the segue is that Alicia, you know, as she sort of storms off after this, um, you know, ridiculous, um, uh, overblown gesture from Drew, she, she gives him this whole speech about how he, he should, you know, save his big expensive gestures for some girl who's impressed by them. And when you find her, hold on to oh. her. Um, and then she, you know, storms away. And that is the, the cue to cut back to, to Missy opening her 
Cartier bracelet. <sighs> boy, oh yeah. boy. Um, so, yeah, M- Missy, Missy is just over the moon. Uh, you know, she, she loves this bracelet. And mm-hmm. further complicating matters, Ben, Drew's assistant has told Missy that... That's right. That Drew has reconciled with his family and he is spending mm-hmm. Christmas time with them. And yeah. um, and as you can imagine, Ben, this is a major breakthrough for Missy. This is a sign of growth. This is all she has ever wanted from, from Drew was some mm-hmm. connection to his family. So she's feeling really positive at this point, Ben. Yeah, it's a, it's a big turn. And, and now as she opens the, the, the bracelet, she's there with her parents, um, who I guess she just like hangs out with all the time. That's right. Um, and, you know, so they're uh, sort of observing this whole development. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents are a couple of characters in their own right. Sure. Um, you know, her, her mom is, you know, just this insanely, you know, sort of rich, snobby, um, you know, caricature of Archetype, like a... Archetype, yeah. Yeah. Um, the dad is, you know, sort of this like put upon, um, I don't know, like sort of beta male who's clearly just like putting up with the... Um, the personality of, of the, of the mom. Um, but anyway, so, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a big moment where, where Missy's suddenly like, Oh, hang mm-hmm. on. Maybe this isn't over yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I, uh, misjudged, uh, my, my guy drew. So moving on from Missy, Ben, we cut to Brian. Who boy, uh, big moment here. Up in his bedroom. One of the, <laughs> one of the real, I mean, one of the turning points of the whole movie. Absolutely, this one is... of the turning points. I want to. I want to point out just a real quick detail here. I don't know if you caught this. It's a very quick frame, so you have to kind of see it exactly when it happens. If if you want the time code, it's fifty five twelve. But mm-hmm. um, I'm right there. Yep. Um, so before we get to what's on the screen for Brian, uh, I want to take note of the computer monitor. Brian's yeah. computer monitor is covered in these really cool bumper stickers that felt so yeah, very cool stickers. So like late '90s, <clears throat> early 2000s, and you know, you you just get the sense that this kid Brian is a real renegade. You know, like he yeah. he is a skater, man. This is this is a guy. It's almost kind of like 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 hacker vibes. Yes, hacker um, vibes like Scott. You know, punk. where your computer is like so it's such a part of you that you like cover it in your you know in your stickers and mm. your. Um, you know, it's like an extension of your own personality almost, you know? Yes. So we cut to Brian, uh, in his bedroom. He is Mm -hmm. having what he thinks is a moment of privacy. Uh, that's right. He's looking at a, at a webpage here, um, with the, uh, the title naked Asian massage therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, Poor Brian, very just succumbing, very clearly what's happening su- here, succumbing to his worst his worst demons, and uh, yeah, he is looking at a massage therapist website when in walks who else, Ben, but his duda. Brian, what? tell Drew that I had to take off. There was a. Holy cow! What are you looking at? It's just his research. His doodah, yeah. Uh, of course, Brian, you know, in the sort of uh, frenzy of his internet porn addiction, does not think to lock his door. Um, so, uh, you know, as he's uh, viewing his, his pornographic material, Duda just opens the door, yep. strolls in. What are you looking at <clears> there, now, Brian, kind of thing? 
all of a sudden yeah. Judah ditches his cane. He Yeah, he throws the cane on the bed. <laughs> and he is fully uh, able to walk. I mean, he nearly because, sprints to the computer monitor when he realizes you're right. he, what it's Brian a beeline to the at. computer. Yeah. yeah. And now Brian, it has to be uh, pointed out, does not make any effort whatsoever to click out, to X out, no. to minimize no. the, the page um, that he's viewing. And that speaks to Duda, no, he's man. Just... That speaks to Duda. He knows he has a comfort. He knows he has a confidant in his Duda. Mm-hmm. You know, but there is a level of trust with this Duda between Brian and Duda. And he mm-hmm. Brian does not feel the judgment that he would maybe with a Christine, a Tom, maybe even with a Drew. You're right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that he's he sort of sees someone that he's able to confide in. Yeah. Um, you know, this is not safe. someone that he needs to hide his his addiction from. Um, and uh, yeah, quite quite the contrary. In fact, um, very quickly, you know, Dudok uh, sits down next to him, says, "Hey, uh, you know, holy cow, what are you looking at?" Right. Um, and um, I love how Dudok picks Duda, up the mouse. And just starts mm. clicking around on the mouse, like in his mm-hmm. in the palm of his hand. And then all of a sudden, Duda starts clicking around, scrolling around, and he sees. Yeah, Duda. Sorry, go ahead. He he also. I wanted to point out. He also establishes a level of trust with Brian um, because as he sits down and sort of sees what what Brian's engaging in, uh, Duda tells him a quick story of how um, you know back in his day right. uh, they didn't have you know computers of course to to observe pornography. You know, when I was young, we didn't sit alone in our rooms drooling over nude ladies on computer screens. No, sir. We had to go behind a barn with the dirty girl and pay her a quarter so she could show us her goodies. How does this work? Oh, well, uh, here, let me up here. What are you into? We got hot cheerleaders mm-hmm. and three-way fun. Uh-uh. Uh, middle-aged hotties. Middle-aged hotties. Now you're talking my language. Old enough to know how it's done. Young enough to still want to do it. <laughs> um, so let's just say that Duda is no stranger to, um, you know, the, these, um, you know, sort of more, more lurid activities, uh, <laughs> And uh, and I love to again that the the theme of of paying people uh, to you know debase and humiliate themselves for money um, it, it, you know again <laughs> yeah running running through every scene practically yeah I mean Duda has seen a thing or two so mm-hmm. he Duda uh, unknowingly sort of scrolls around on the web page clicks around yeah and all of a sudden we land on a kind of a splash page, uh, an image. Yeah, of, a new a new page yeah, comes up of with, and with slowly begins loading with a bunch of different websites that you can also look at, and mm-hmm. it's basically a series of other pornographic websites. One one is called Hot Cheerleaders. One is called Girls on Parole, and then Duda notices one he likes Ben, and mm. one he wants to look at is called Middle Aged Hotties, and yeah. Boy, oh boy, Duda and Brian do not know what they have bargained for. They do not know what they got themselves in for. Yeah, I love that Brian, instead of being like, you know, you're a stranger, um, I would rather you, like, leave my bedroom so that I can, you know, look at this internet porn in the privacy, um, you know, of my own room alone. No, they they just, like, immediately are, like, porn buddies now. Like, they're just clicking around. They're just having fun. Welcomes him. totally... Welcomes him and says... Finally, basically, it's like finally I have a friend. Finally, I have yeah. a confidant. Finally, I, I have someone that I can that I can engage in this with. I have a father, um, you know, I have almost a friend, like a... I have someone I could talk to about this. Yes, mm-hmm. is it unhealthy? Maybe. Am I am, am, am I experimenting? Am I going through something? Of course. 
And yeah, and maybe are we sort of like co-enablers? You know, or, or um, yeah, do I? That's it, fair. Is this the most? Is this the most healthy relationship? You know, probably not. But I'm um, 14 and I'm figuring things out, and I appreciate yeah. you, Duda, not judging me. And yes, maybe let's check out Girls on Parole. So Duda finds something he likes, and it's that middle-aged hotties. Middle-aged hottie. And Brian, he points that out immediately. Brian is game for it. Hey, let's explore. Let's see what this is all about. And so they click it, Ben. And of course, this being the late 90s, early 2000s, internet speed's a little slow. So mm-hmm. for those listening at home who are maybe, you know, some of our younger listeners, there wasn't this, there wasn't this broadband, there wasn't this uh, ethernet, you know, uh, level internet connection. When a web page was loading, it was, it was a little slow. So you'd, you'd have mm-hmm. little like bands that things would load. Exactly. Right? The bands. And Ben, so they click the middle-aged hotties website and slowly loading on their screen, it appears. Yeah, from top to bottom, the appears, bands appear. The bands appear. And the first thing that you notice, Ben, are these red patent leather boots. Uh, middle-aged hotties. Middle-aged hotties. Now you're talking my language. Old enough to know how it's done. Young enough to still want to do it. It's <laughs> gross. Ooh, come to papa. That's not bad, right? Dude. It's your mom! Oh, my God. Hey, can you print that for me? Oh, those boots, those big, thick heels. I think I've seen these red leather boots before. I can't quite place where it is. And slowly, Bennett starts to load further and further. The image comes into, into becomes clearer and clearer. And then they reveal it's Christine's face. You, oh boy. All of a sudden, you're, gonna, you're seeing Christine's face and these red leather boots on a pornographic website. Ben, I don't need to see any more. Please don't load the rest of this image. I think I've seen oh, enough. No. And so has no, Brian, no. Ben. Uh, he looks absolutely mortified. We, we zoom in close on Brian's face. He doesn't want to see another He doesn't want to see another single pixel. Um, and, and it's dawning on Duda now as he realizes what's loading on his screen. And he's asking Brian, do you know what this is? And then all of a sudden, there's Catherine O'Hara in, in, in her full glory on the screen. You know, once it's clear what they're looking at, Duda announces... Dude, it's your mom, um, and then the and then the scene ends right there, mm. um, and we don't know, you know, really sort of what happens after that until a little bit later on in the in the movie. Suffice to say, we will. This is not the last uh, that we will be seeing of of uh, this issue of Brian and his uh, unfortunate discovery. Um, so so yes, yeah, so then it cuts back. So yeah, Alicia is coming coming home. She's all upset um, from the fight that she and Drew have had. Um, uh, Drew decides, you know, he, he comes home and, and, you know, sort of after this, uh, this moment of, uh, you know, the, this kind of like sobering, um, uh, thing that, that Alicia has, has told him, he says, you know, maybe this was a mistake. He's telling Tom and Christine, you know, I've, I've imposed on you. I'm sorry. And he's basically ready to admit that maybe, you know, this was not, not the best thing that he did. Um, yeah. uh, you know, paying a money, uh, paying a family money to, um, to live in their home and, and, uh, keep them hostage and, uh, and play act for him. Um, so he's ready to, to pack it in, but just at that moment is when oh boy. Missy calls. She's Louise. Look at your pen. What's wrong with you? Hello? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you too. Missy! The bracelet is amazing, Drew. Thank you. 
Um, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now. Um, How'd you know my favorite is Cartier? Uh, it's a lucky guess. How, how did you find me? Oh, I talked to your secretary, and she said you were with your family. Oh, Drew, I am so happy for you and for us. Uh, for us? Well, I know what this means for you, reaching out to your family after all this time. It means you want to be more serious about yourself and more serious about me. And I want to meet your family, Drew. She is just pouring her heart out here to Drew. Um, she is overjoyed. She mentions that Drew's assistant informed her that he would be spending Christmas Day with his family. And furthermore, mm-hmm. further complicating matters, well, she got the address. Missy got yeah. the address of the Valcos from his assistant and guess what Ben Missy and her parents would like to come for a visit and oh boy the the there's going to be a visit here between the two families and this is going to be bad and Missy announces that she's just a couple blocks away she's going to be pulling yeah. up any she's right out, she's she's basically already outside the door oh when she drops this news in Drew's lap um, a disaster. The thing is, though, at first, Drew is kind of like, like when he first hears her voice, he's like, oh, no, like, um, you know, I don't think you should come. He tries to make this excuse about how, like, one of the family members is challenged and requires a lot of time to put on the proper headgear, <sighs> as if, like, that's a reason why she should, like, stay away, like, don't come. I forgot that. Um, yeah, which I was like, huh, okay. Um, but, but then Missy is like, no, 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 I want to meet your family. And then... After I meet your family, we can go to Fiji tomorrow. Oh, so she still and has her eyes on soon, Fiji. Yeah, and that's the thing that suddenly snaps Drew's attention into focus. And he's like, oh, shit, you still want to go to Fiji? And, like, for some reason, it's it's Fiji. Like, that's, like, a like a trigger for him. Yeah. Like, his, you know, his magic word. Where suddenly when he's like, oh, wait, 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 I could still have this other thing. Because at Fiji. this point, he's thinking, yeah. you know, Alicia has kind of, like, walked out on him. There's really not much more he can wring out of this family yeah. um, th- th- that he's, you know, he's kind of like gotten all he, he's all he can out of them. He's basically going to replace the Valcos so he's like, with, a, with, with, yeah. uh, with Missy and, and Fiji. Yeah, he's like, now that my reign of terror is complete here, uh, I've extracted every last drop of, of you know, sort of emotional uh, satisfaction that I can out of these people. I can go back to my ex-girlfriend who's still down and go to Fiji with me. Um, but of course, that will only work if he can convince the Valcos to continue acting for just one more night. Um, so he's freaking out. He's panicking. Um, you know, Missy is like right outside the door. Uh, Tom is like, hey, you said you were leaving. You know, a deal is a deal. The contract says you got to get out of here. Um, yeah. But Drew is like, no, 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 no. I need you to pretend to be my family for just one more night because my girlfriend is here yep. and she doesn't know that I have taken a family hostage and um, forced them to be my fake family. So I need you guys to keep up this charade for a little bit longer. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, Tom objects, but what is the move, the tried and true uh, tactic that, that Drew turns to over and over again, Chris? Ben, in dramatic terms, we call this raising the stakes. My girlfriend is here with her family. You guys have to help me. Please, just pretend for like another couple hours. We'll leave by midnight, all right? Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Oh, no, read paragraph three. You bailed. We're done. You write the check and you get out of here. What? No, 
wait a minute. I, okay, look, I want to go. I'm dying to go. I want to get out of here, but I got to have a life to go back to. This girl is that life. I can't really tell her that, you know, I rented a family. I'm sure she already knows you're crazy. It's kind of, uh, shows. No, a deal's a deal. That's it. Uh, unless you want to sweeten the pot a little bit. That's extortion, Tom. Oh, you know, I think I hear the doorbell. No, 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 no. All right, no, no, no. I'll give you another 75 grand, okay? But you guys got to do it good and you got to try, all right? Or else I'll just, I'll be so mad at you guys. Come on. He makes the Valcos a promise of an extra $75,000. Yeah. Play along for the evening and you will have a handsome reward, 75 grand. Just agree to be, pretend to be my family for this one little interaction this evening with Missy and her family and we are good. We are gold. Yeah. In in his last second moment of desperation, Drew just says, okay, fine. Here's another 75 grand. Just digging his uh you know his grave full of money uh with his you know with his gold shovel um and um yeah so of course tom agrees to it um and now it just becomes you know like a like a like a series like a caper like a series of hijinks uh missy shows yeah missy shows up with her parents um you know drew is is like totally panicking he's uh you know freaking out the whole time trying to keep up the um you know the the charade um, there's a, gr- a great moment where, um, yeah, um, you know, Missy's like, oh, do you have any baby pictures? And, uh, Christina or Christine hands him, you know, a picture, uh, presumably of Alicia as a baby. Um, and Missy and her parents are like, oh, are you sure this is you? Because this baby, um, doesn't have a penis. Drew, are you sure that's you? Oh, that's me. All right. I remember it well. That picture was uh, it was Autumn and the photographer. No, I don't think so. There's no little dingle. Nope. Nope. Uh, well, yes. It's there, but it's not. You, you can't see it because it was so long uh, that Mom had to tuck it back when she gave me a bath. So, you know, it's getting tangled. You remember, Mom? Yeah. Yeah. From the moment he was born, it was uh, freakishly long. <laughs> Right. Yes. I thought that was a really great yeah. little uh, little joke right there. And then to you know just heighten the the hijinks even even greater, uh, we have Duda show up at the door, but it's not Duda, Chris, is it? No, it's Duda's understudy, Ben. Yeah, Duda, of course, is practicing for the town play, yeah. so he can't work this night. So Duda's understudy mm-hmm. comes by the house. Um, but there's a uh, a comic wrinkle uh, because turns out that Duda's understudy is a black man. Yeah. So that, of course, is a uh, ripe source of humor. Just total slapstick um, stuff there from yeah, uh, um, the creators of Surviving I, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, basically it's a, a um, continuous just series of, of, of hijinks as, you know, Alicia comes back. Um, Drew, uh, drops the ham on the floor of the kitchen. Um, and so again, (laughs) acting like a very normal human being, um, reacting in very, you know, realistic, normal ways right after Alicia, you know, stormed out after realizing what a psychopath Drew is. This is like, I don't know, a half hour later, maybe she returns, um, to tell Drew, you know, I'm really sorry. I want to apologize. Um, I'm actually very touched by your gesture. Um, and then she kisses him. Yep. I've come to my wow. senses. I realize my true feelings for you. I'd like to kiss yeah. you on the what lips. Did, yeah. 
Yeah, what an evolution from realizing this man is a complete psychopath who ma- manipulates people with money. Um, to maybe falling in uh, love, yeah. To, yeah, I think I think I might be falling for you. Right. Um, and then she leaves because she remembers, oh, I have a gift for you. I'll be right back. <laughs> so basically she, she stormed out um, after they, you know, after telling Drew that, you know, you can't buy people uh, with expensive things. Um, and within like minutes, she has a change of heart and goes out and purchases a gift of her own. <laughs> um, so very odd behavior there, I got to say. Yeah, very strange. Um, very strange. So yeah. um, at this point, the family, the family meeting is just descending into chaos. Missy, when, when, uh, when, when Alicia goes to retrieve the present, Missy comes into the kitchen uh, you know, just canoodling here with with Drew. At this point, uh, Drew sends her back into the living room with with a ball of cheese and some crackers, yep. and the cheese ball. Now, at this point, he is trying to pull off an absolute, you know, high wire act here. He has these two women, both of whom have now planted a kiss on him, uh, Missy yeah. and Alicia. It's just a disaster. You you know this can't end well. And who? Yep. This is the classic guy trying to juggle. Two you women. know, two different things. You know, can't let them see each other. Yeah. I mean, we we all know this this setup yep. uh, from from the great comedy classics. That's what this was about. You put us through this for a girl? No. 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 Just. Uh... C- can I open my present now? Sure. Alicia sees Drew kiss Missy. She's over him. She throws the present at him. She can't believe yeah, she that says she you did this for, for a him. girl. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 So this thing is really blowing up in Drew's face at this point. Yeah, totally has. And then Drew has a very revealing moment where he's kind of pleading with with uh, Alicia, and he says, "I know you hate me. I hate me. I hate my own guts," which I thought was. Mm. Um, Wow, a really powerful moment um, where suddenly Drew is just flat out, you know, he's coming clean. He's fully admitting that he hates himself, um, you know, just really struggling. um, And yet still, still, you know, grasping for control, grasping for this sense of like, you know, power. I know you hate me, okay? I I hate me. I hate my own guts. And I know this is a horrible thing to ask, but would you just please, could you just help me out here so I can just get through this? You'll never have to see me again and just like take a ride for an hour or something. Your parents will call you when the coast is clear, okay? Drew, your dad wants more salami. They're playing along? Your parents, they're crazy. They think it's fun. I'm sorry, okay? I gotta go. I'll see you later. I miss you. Thank you. You're welcome. See ya. Now, Chris, when we asked ourselves earlier, what is the thing that Drew is addicted to? Yeah. I kind of feel like maybe this is the moment where that is revealed because he is admitting he hates himself, he hates his own guts. Mm -hmm. And you would think that, you know, in a moment like that, most people would say like, okay, that's it. Like, this this is my moment of defeat. It actually reminds me a lot of the moment in um, in Uncut Gems towards the end uh, when he's like locked in his office and he's like, you know, the, like all reasonable people would be like, okay, game over. Like you've right. lost, like you need to kind of admit defeat, uh, admit defeat and, and surrender at this point. But instead, Drew in this moment, much like, uh, you know, Adam Sandler's ca- character in, in Uncut Gems, no, he doesn't do that. He doubles down. So he says, I hate myself. I hate my own guts. And then in the same breath, he says, 
I know this is horrible, but can you help me out? Just leave for an hour. So he's still trying. He's He's still still grasping on here. Yeah, Yeah, chasing this high, chasing this addiction uh, for for control, for uh, for for power. Um, And then he says, kind of like very confused, just all over the map. He says, "I'm sorry. Okay, I gotta go. I'll see you later. I miss you. Thank you. You're welcome. See ya." Hustles uh, Missy, uh, uh, you know, like hustles out of the room. Or sorry, not Missy, Alicia. Um, but then Alicia decides, okay, we're going to have a little fun with this. If, if this psycho is going to try to, you know, ma- manipulate me, uh, to get his way, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little fun back at him. I think it's fun, huh? Maybe they're right. Alicia goes along with the gag and she proceeds to torture Drew and mm-hmm. pretend to be part of the family and just humiliate and emasculate uh, him in front of uh, in front of Missy and and Missy's parents. Missy shows off mm-hmm. her diamond bracelet, of course, and you know it's a little awkward. It's more than a little awkward, but it's moving along. At one point, uh, Alicia says, "By the way, where is Brian?" Yep. Uh, cut to Brian. So now at this point, Duda has left. He's gone. He's out of the house. It's probably been a while because Duda's understudy, um, who by the way is played by a great actor named Cy Richardson. I don't know if you if you're familiar with his work. Him. Yeah, yeah. He was a um, he was like a, a a great character actor who was like a regular in uh, Alex Cox movies. Um, Alex Cox is the guy that did like Repo Man and like Sid and Nancy oh, okay. and um, yeah, like kind of a a great like cult uh, director. Uh, big fan of his. Uh, Brendan and I have both used his films in, in Smash TV projects. Mm. Um, and uh, but anyway, so Cy Richardson, uh, he's awesome. Uh, so he's uh, playing Duda's understudy. Um, so he's been in the house for a while. Duda's long gone. So it's been like probably an hour at least. Uh, the shot, the the movie cuts to Brian, who is still upstairs, <laughs> like para- paralyzed, paralyzed. Chris, yeah. just sitting in his chair still gazing at the same picture of his mother uh, in, you know, a pornographic pose on his computer screen. Mm. So something something not great is happening, is, is going on with Brian uh, in his upstairs bedroom. Um, meanwhile, Duda, his, uh, Duda's understudy, that is, is uh, hitting on Christine. Um, uh, Alicia's, you know, messing with, with Drew, uh, making up stories about... Um, uh, you know, Drew being a varsity baton twirler in high school, which of course is, you know, one of the most embarrassing things you could ever be. <laughs> um, uh, and then, and then at that point, Drew and Alicia start fighting in front of everybody, mm. you know, still sort of trying to remain in character as brother and sister. Yeah. But uh, tensions heighten and uh, to the point where Drew shouts out in front of everyone that he and Alicia were just making out in the kitchen. Yeah, that's my sister, never understanding there's such a thing as love and you can care about somebody and want to show it in a big way and that you shouldn't be put down for that and mocked and made hurt feelings. Yeah, well, what my brother doesn't understand is that when you love somebody, you don't have to show it in a big way. Oh, really? So I guess you were just slumming back there when you were making out with me in the kitchen. Which kind of stops everything oh boy. in its tracks. Oh, boy. And everyone's kind of like, whoa, what does that mean? Right. Um, Drew tries to kind of patch it up by saying... Oh, you know, we're just a very affectionate family, something like that. Yeah, so this is when they get to Brian's bedroom. Everyone trudges up the stairs to check out what what is happening with Brian. Drew and Alicia have it out, lashing out 
at each other on the steps. They walk into mm-hmm. Brian's bedroom, who is paralyzed. This is young Brian. This is little Brian. And they mm-hmm. glance over. Are they just, they're just like giving a tour. I guess they're just like giving a tour of the house sure. to the yeah. to the Missy's parents. Yes, that's right. They walk over to Brian, who seems to be paralyzed at his computer. Let's see what Brian is looking at. He's always looking at something on the internet. And then we realize, oh my goodness, Ben, he is looking at a photo of his mother on a pornographic website. And this was little Drew's room. Now it's Brian's. <laughs> Brian, don't be rude. We have guests. He would live up here in front of the screen if we let him, right, Tom? Guess it's that insatiable appetite for knowledge. Oh, shit! Brian, what have you done? Tom, I don't know what that is. I do. It's my wife on my son's computer shooting a V for victory with her legs. All hell breaks loose. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the Valco family... The uh, uh, Missy's parents, uh, they all see it. It's unmistakable what's happening, what they're looking at. Everyone yeah. freaks out. And yeah, at this point, it's it's party over, yeah. you know. Game set record, record scratch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's time, time to go. Yep, 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 yep. Of course, um, <laughs> of, of course the, uh, the guy playing uh, Duda's understudy wants a little peek for himself. But oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 not too uh, too not upset too by 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 what he's saying. Now we are filing out of the house. Everything has just gone to shit. Everything has just blown up in front of us. Yeah, man, a very sad ending. To yeah, like, Brian comes out uh, onto the balcony, oh uh, holding his computer Jesus. over his head. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Some things cannot be unseen. And uh, smashes, it. smashes it, smashes it to the ground yeah. after dropping it uh, off the balcony, and then mutters in a very quiet, very, very disturbing voice, some things cannot be unseen. <sighs> and there we have it, folks. This is uh, the emotional break uh, that we all knew was coming. Um, Brian suffering most likely irreparable psychological emotional trauma yes. uh, from this mo- from this moment. Yes. Um, you know, probably probably going to be dealing with this f- for the rest of his life. Mm. Uh, you know, quite frankly, sad sad to say. Um, so yeah, Tom pieces out. He's like, I'll be at the travel lodge. I'm out of here. Um, Missy's parents have a huge fight as they're leaving, um, and then. So sort of as everyone else is filing out, uh, Missy is left behind. She says to Drew, I still want to go to Fiji, oh boy. which is fucking insane. insane. Um, she's like, you were right. Screw family. Just take me away. I think, you know, after sort of witnessing her parents fighting, she's like, you know what? This is all too much. Let's just get out of here. Um, and so, of course, finally, in the moment when Drew gets the thing that he has been, you know, trying to trying to reach Chasing. the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, chasing, he says no and breaks up with her Ugh. right then and there. Jesus. Um, <laughs> not at all psychotic or cruel. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much everyone leaves the house until it's just Drew and Alicia left behind um, in the kitchen. And this is when Drew has uh, yeah. uh, displays his big emotional reveal um, to Alicia. You know, I, I have to ask, just how bad is your real family that you would rather spend your Christmas like this? Uh, 
there was no real family. What do you mean, there is no family? Come on, you must have had a family. I mean, you must have had a doodah, right? Uh, I had a friend whose grandfather, you know, was called doodah. I was kind of like that. My dad uh, walked out on us on Christmas when I was four. It was basically just me and my mom. She was a waitress at uh, the 24-hour coffee shop. And she didn't have a lot of money, so when Christmas came around, it was an opportunity for her to take a double shift. She did. And, um, you know, my Christmases were basically, I just kind of sat around the house, you know? And then at night, I, I'd walk down there, and Mom would always buy me a grown-up stack of pancakes. Uh, and I would uh, sit by myself at the end of the counter and eat them. And uh, did that for Christmas uh, every year until I turned 18. I haven't been able to walk into a coffee shop since, though. Where's your mom now? Mom died when I was in college. I'm sorry. You know what, Drew? There's nothing that you can do about those Christmases. I mean, but the one that you can do something about, the one that's here and now, you just spent that destroying my family. Alicia, look, just for the record, I didn't destroy your family. What are you talking about? Your parents are splitting up. It's obvious. Brian knows it. That's why he spends all his time in his room on his computer. You just didn't want to see it. And I can understand that. I'm going to go get my dad. Lock up when you leave. So we, we finally learn the truth about Drew. Uh, yeah. We, we find out basically that Drew's father left him when he was four years old. And mm-hmm. his mother would give him uh, an adult stack of pancakes until he was yeah. 18. Yeah, single mom was was working as a waitress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, so she would have to take double shifts on Christmas. That's right. Um, so Drew would be left alone in the house, and then he would come to the uh, you know the diner where his mom worked, and her um, basically his his big Christmas present every year was a grown up stack of pancakes, yep. which he would sit and eat by himself at the at the counter. Um, uh, and his mother, Alicia. his mother tragically died when he was in college. Exactly, mom, mom died in college. Um, and this is it. This is the reason, the backstory, the thing that that made Drew, you know, who he is today. Yeah. All right. Um, in the interest of time, Ben, I am going to hurdle yeah. us towards the end. So at this point, Drew returns back to his apartment to spend Christmas alone. No Valcos. Uh, Missy is out of, out of his life. Alicia's out. I do want to say real quick, yeah. the last the last thing that he says to Alicia before leaving. So she's like, you know, she hears his whole sob story. She's like, wow, okay, um, you know, you can't do anything about those past Christmases, but you know, you just spent this Christmas destroying my family. And Brian, I mean, sorry, uh, Drew, um, in response to that, says, your parents are splitting up. He's like, I didn't destroy your family. 
I don't know if you knew this, but your parents are splitting up. It's obvious. Brian knows it. That's why he spends all his time in his room on his computer. Mm-hmm. You just didn't want to see it. So that is his comeback. After Alicia's like, yeah, you're a psycho who just like ruined my family. Yeah, you're He's like, oh yeah? Well, your family yeah. your family was fucked anyway. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't my fault. Yeah, I didn't do awesome, anything. Awesome comeback. I did not do anything bad. Your parents were getting yeah. divorced anyways. Yeah. So Drew goes back to his apartment to spend Christmas alone back in Chicago in the big city. He's all alone mm-hmm. in his apartment. And who shows up at his apartment, Ben? What? I hear you. Are you going to hit me? No. Are you going to do something else to me that's not hitting but still hurts? No. You're going to invite me in? Really? You stop by to hang out, catch up, reminisce? You owe me money. Yeah. Knock on the door. It's Tom. Tom? Initially, Drew is very excited. He's like, oh, did you just come to hang out? And he's like all happy. And then Tom is like, no, dude, you owe me money. Of course not. Andrew is like, right, right, right. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. The money, the money, the money. Let me go get the money. So Tom comes mm-hmm. inside and they start talking, you know, they start reminiscing a little bit. And what do they remember, Ben? They remember Duda. Mm. They remember their friend Duda is performing in a local production of A Christmas Carol, and they remember, because they both have complimentary tickets, that he gave right. them, that Duda gave them to the performance. Yeah. They're standing there. Uh, Drew reaches in his pocket. He's like, oh, look, I have a ticket. And Tom is like, yeah, I have a ticket, too. And then for no real apparent reason, they're just like, eh? hey, let's just... Let's just keep this going. Let's just let's not stop. You know, yeah. by now, by now, everything's been wrapped up. You know, Tom has paid uh, his side of the contract. You would think that, like, okay, story over. But they kind of give each other a little glance, like, let's have uh, one last good time together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One last hurrah. Yeah, one last hurrah. So they decide to see Duda in his community theater production of A Christmas Carol. Right. Now, this is like, is this like Christmas night? Like, this is probably like the same, like the night after Christmas, maybe? Um, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably around there. Christmas night. And I, yeah. And I love that, like, the entire family is just all there. Like, you know, they just, they're all such big community theater fans that, like, of course, you know, they they have to go see Duda. They would never miss out on seeing their Duda. Um, true, true. I mean, he is family after So all. Tom is walking through the audience, you know, finding his way to his seat, you know, because he wants to sit next to Christine. And, mm-hmm. you know, he sees his old pals. He sees uh, Duda's understudy. You know, he's making eyes with everyone. And what do we learn, Ben, about Brian? It, it appears Brian has now made a friend. Uh, it, well, it's really Drew okay. who kind of instigates this. So Drew uh, sits down. He, he finds Brian in the crowd. There's an empty seat next to him. So he says, you know, let me sit next to you. Within about five seconds of sitting down, Drew looks over and begins ogling a young high school girl, maybe junior old, high, 14 year very, old. Yeah. very young looking girl right. um, sitting uh, next to Brian on the other side. Um, and immediately, you know, the, the, the thought that, that Drew, uh, has is, uh, Hey Brian, that girl's, uh, she's, she's kind of cute for you. Um, 
And Brian is like, oh, you know, doesn't want anything to do with it. And then, of course, Drew just kind of like interjects himself, like sets, like starts talking to the girls, like, hey, you know, that's, uh, you know, Brian's Duda up there, whatever, you know, sets them up and then just leaves. Yeah. Um, so, you know, once again, he just uh, kind of kind of solving everyone's problems. He's kind of a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of sort of a, 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 a guardian angel in that moment. Um where, you know, Brian goes from his internet porn addiction to suddenly seeing, you know, what, what the real thing is. real, like. meaningful relationship with a human being. Um, exactly. So, and then cut to, cut to Drew and Alicia on the front steps of the theater. Outside, it's snowing. Right. Alicia's it's sitting outside on the steps. It's cold. Yeah. For some reason, she's, she's all by herself. She's not there to, to watch the play. Nah. She was just there to pick up her mom. She's not interested um, in So that. she's sitting outside alone. Feeling kind of sad. Just... And they have a little talk. So Drew's... Yeah. Yeah. Drew sits down next to her, gives her the whole spiel. Alicia? Hey. Hey. Were you uh, in there the whole time? No, I was just here to pick up my mom. She's in there uh, with your dad, actually. They're, they're kind of making out in the third row. Really? Yeah. That's good. Look, I don't expect you to want to talk to me or anything, so I'm not going to call you and bother you and give you a hard time and camp outside your place and stalk you and, you know. But I do want to say that I'm sorry for what I put you through and say thank you. I love that one of the lines, uh, you know, he's like, uh, you know, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep bothering you. Uh, I'm not going to, he says at one point, quote, I'm not going to camp outside your place and stalk you, which is a hilarious joke. You, you know, of course he would never do that. Sure. Um, that is not at all consistent with his behavior. prior behavior yeah. in this film. Um, but he does want to say that he's sorry for what he put Alicia through and he wants to say thank you. Right. Um, and very quickly, Alicia smiles at him. You know, he's just immediately forgiven um, for the for the psychological and emotional trauma that he just put her family through. And within seconds, they're kissing on the steps. Yeah. Well, it seems consistent. Uh, from there, we cut to um, to the diner. Now, this is the uh, diner. Oh, yeah, but not before one last uh, hilarious little incest joke where Missy and her parents drive by uh, just as right. uh, Drew and, and, and Alicia are kissing. Um, and they're like, I think Daddy, stop the car! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! He's kissing his sister. That is open mouth. Is the season to be jolly, dummy? Oh, God, get us out of here! Trying to keep warm. Let's get out of here! Oh. Uh, just hilarious. Um, good, good stuff there. A little incest joke to yeah. wrap everything up. Um, then, yeah, they cut to the diner. Yeah. Um, this, of course, which of course is the diner where Drew's mother worked the double shift to make extra money. Yeah, a poignant moment because earlier Drew had revealed to Alicia that uh, ever since his mom had died, he hasn't been able to walk into a coffee shop or a diner. Um, so this is a real uh, moment of, um, you know, kind of catharsis for him. It's clear that he is fixed now. Uh, all of the, uh, you know, problems and and pathology that he has been uh, displaying throughout the movie is cured um and um and that's it chris right 
we've been going for a while here, Ben. <laughs> Let's talk uh, real quick. I think I know the answer to this question for myself. Is Drew mm. a hero or is Drew a villain? I think he's unquestionably a hero. He has some yeah. villainous uh, tactics and approaches. He has some um, un- he has some uh, outside of the box approaches to being a hero, but he's a hero. He taught this family how to love again. He helps he did. He helps Brian overcome his porn addiction. He mm-hmm. teaches Alicia how to be in love. He mm-hmm. rekindles the fire between Christine and Tom um, mm-hmm. by buying them, uh, well, just buying them, both with cars and <laughs> <laughs> photo shoots and clothing. Um, yeah. So the, I was going to say, on that note, the total bill uh, here is, I believe, 350000 um, because... The 250k was the initial contract, right? And then uh, Drew kicked in an extra 25k for the Duda edition, um, and then of course the final Christmas Eve performance uh, from the family uh, netted them an extra 75,000. Um, Not bad. And that's of course, yeah, that's on top of we don't know. We actually never learn what um, what Drew pays Duda himself um, because of course he had to be paid for his uh, for his work. Um, along with the understudy, who I assume was, you know, getting some of that. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at, you know, probably in excess of, like, 400K all in, um, which, yeah, really, I mean, for someone like Drew, that's like a drop in the bucket. You know, that's like a, an sure. afternoon's work uh, at, at his ad agency. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not bad. He uh, he bought himself a new family. He bought himself a girlfriend. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah. Uh, the American dream. Really, yeah. Bought himself some mm-hmm, ha- some mm-hmm. happiness. Um, my other question for you is, Drew's addiction. What what is Drew's addiction? I think that Drew's addiction ultimately is control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, you could you could something substitute. Similar, yeah, yeah, you could substitute power. You could substitute think, uh, manipulation. Yeah, I think Drew. It seems to me Drew is addicted to self-medicating and drew Mm -hmm. is addicted to um yeah power and drew is addicted to not feeling pain Mm. i think that which is Mm -hmm. another way of saying power drew is addicted yeah drew is addicted to not experiencing loss or loneliness or pain yeah, in fact, um, that's a great point, Chris. That reminds me, right before he leaves the house um, after the big, you know, blow up um, following the computer smashing uh, and his discussion with uh, Alicia, um, uh, you know, Tom or Drew is alone in the house. Um, and the final thing that he does before leaving is that he, hang on, what does he I have it here? Uh, 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 yeah, he, he pulls out a new notepad and writes down my grievances, colon, people I love leave me. Yeah. And then he throws it in the fireplace and says, I forgive you. Yeah. So you're right. It's that, um, that need to, to push away any sort of pain, um, and specifically replace that pain, um, with manipulating people so that. If he pays people money, he they won't leave him. Um, 
because that's the thing that he you know is 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 trying to get over that that like uh, you know childhood trauma of his father leaving and then his mother leaving when she dies when he's 18 um so clearly you know he's grappling with with a lot there all goes back to um, that fat free eggnog ben i mean it's just mm-hmm. this is a guy that will do anything to avoid the sensation of pain yeah drink drink as much spiked eggnog as you can yeah. uh pay as much money as you need to pay sure to to just numb yourself that's right. um, to, to all those emotions and yeah that's what he does um and uh clearly it all works out for him in the end um and uh yeah so i think to answer our bigger question drew mm-hmm. is clearly a hero um he is a victim um mm-hmm. and yeah like you said he you know he goes about his um his self-medication in some unconventional, unconventional ways yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but hey, he does what he has to do to cure himself, um, and everyone, uh, you know, every, everyone benefits, really, yeah, around him. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. Wow, man. We have survived Christmas. Uh, <laughs> we sure did. Incredibly. The film, the film was a critical and commercial failure. I don't know uh, how that's possible. Uh, it grossed 15.1 million uh, worldwide uh, off a 45 million dollar budget. Oof. Um, so I, you know, I would consider it a box office smash hit, Chris. Yeah. Um, I would I would um, term this movie a success uh, by every metric, really. Mm. Um, but somehow the um, 15 you know, the million American... bucks is a lot of money in my book. So yeah, I mean exactly, 15 million is still nothing to cough at. Um, so I would call it a big win for Affleck, a big win um, for you know for for Christmas for anyone who loves Christmas movies. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that we could uh, share this one with our audience. Absolutely. All right, man. This has been a lot of fun. As always, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. We are very psyched to be re-watching the Indiana Pacers-New York Knicks conference finals. So stay tuned for that. Um, Have a great week, man. Stay safe. And uh, thanks very much. And I'll talk to you real soon. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay healthy. Um, And uh, yeah, thank you as always again for... uh, for this wonderful two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we, we did, did it. it. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. If you're still listening, I have serious questions as to why. Um, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, you can please rate and review us in Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Have a great week. Stay safe. Please stay inside. Keep watching old movies. Keep watching old basketball games on YouTube. And I'll talk to you next week.